0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 371st edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call, we have Andy Patterson, and hanging around somewhere in the background grabbing himself a beer is the one and only Ozzy Smith. Welcome to you all listening in. It's Sunday evening again, where we go live on YouTube from 8 p.m. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes Hello to everyone listening throughout the week on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. That's all the particulars out the way there, Andy. Let's get down to business, shall we? What the hell we're we going to talk about tonight? Good question. I had a few questions coming in from the guys. Other than that, it's pretty bare. We will be going on to Frotch Groves later on, as we were talking off air there. Tell me, first of all, how are you getting on, Andy? How are you feeling? Feeling good? Feeling strong?
1: Yeah, I was out in the garden the day about a weeding, getting the parts of the, the trees cut, hedge cut, and that, and the. Got my dad doing to start giving my hand to kind of uh, stain oak the patio, so i uh, yeah, yeah been busy, got a wee bit of tan in that as well, get my vitamin C levels up, doing my bit, you know, a few beers, and a nice wee green label, 15 year old sitting here in the glass ready to talk whatever shit we're going to talk about. How are you doing? You good?
0: Yes, I am keeping well actually, not too bad at all, been out and about. Son's birthday tomorrow. Had a bit of an incident last week though. The brother-in-law came round and was uh, trying to burn some rubbish. And before you know it, the wife comes in and says, uh, "We've got a bit of a problem outside." He set the barn on fire. We <laughs> we go outside. There's explosions going out left, right, and centre. The whole barn's gone up. Had to get the fire brigade out and everything. And it's just an absolute shell, a big mess. That was last Sunday or Saturday was it? I can't remember. I was talking to Ames at the time anyway. But yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess out there. <laughs> So it was Friday night, maybe it was. Friday. I can't remember, Andy. It was one of the days last week, anyway. Oh, um, man. I, th- I think it was Saturday, but yeah, it was just. I mean, it was a proper fight. It was like a. I'm going to get the kids in the car and get them to the end of the lane, kind of fire. I mean, it was it was a bad one.
1: I hope he's paying for the replacement. The oh, I'm not sure.
0: He had all of his. The worst thing was his sister in. He's a. He's, sorry, my sister in law, like his girlfriend, is um, from Canada, and she just moved all of her stuff over and put it in that very shed that afternoon. Yeah, so there excellent. was like. Pe- Birth certificates of children and everything like floating about in the air. It was. Oh, I did feel sorry <laughs> for her, like.
1: You know, it was bad. <laughs> That's bought a lot. <laughs> was, that bet,
0: day, thousands of pounds on the boat. Just put uh, it in the barn and warmth the whole thing you- went on. Man.
1: Your brother law's not gonna get his dick wet anytime soon, anyway, don't
0: think. <laughs> Those tears are still out on the cobbles as we speak anyway. So yeah, he was he was quite upset, but uh, we'll, we'll get over it. Nobody was hurt, thankfully, nobody was good. hurt anyway. Good good to hear from you, Andy. Ozzy, you're back with us. How are you, circuiting well.
2: Yeah, all good, thanks, Steve. All good. Uh, again, just getting on with things, been out on the bike, couple of beers, relaxing. It's kind of by the by now, isn't it? It's all all the same, lockdown is the new uh, is the norm. Um, hopefully, some good news this week in terms of relaxing the uh, relaxing all the conditions. And who knows? There's serious talks of promoters planning shows for July now behind closed doors. So we may not be too far off seeing live boxing once again. Although we'll come on to it after. But the big show in Poland involving big Mario Swack and Kevin Johnson. So uh, live boxing, uh, we'll all get our fix um, when the when the pay-per-view show goes live in Poland in, uh, I think it's, what, next
0: month or later this month? Yeah, you better get your pennies saved up for that one, Marius Whack against Kevin Kingpin Johnson. Are you that desperate for boxing that you would watch that Aussie? I'm sure you're not, are you? Mate, it's about two quid, so, <laughs> so you can probably find it on the floor
2: if uh, you don't want it to be out your own back pocket. Um, that's saying I won't be buying it. Um, I, co- I couldn't think of anything what an awful fight what an awful fight it's going to be horrendous but yeah it's about tens a or something like that from memory Um, so yeah it works out about two quid
0: yeah desperate times call for desperate measures you might find two quid on the floor you might find one of those boys on the floor maybe Kevin Johnson the chat are all getting stuck in here already Tosh Bear's in there welcome to you uh, Matt Dobson uh, Kaiser Kober Lee the Alcoholic Frotch Porky's Corner's in there as well take aims. Let's go up and have a good look, shall we? We don't usually do this. Josh Foster, Joseph Kennedy, Dan W., Mark Boxio. If I've missed you out, then, well, go fuck yourself, I suppose. Uh, Conan the Librarian, Boxing Channel, and Boxing Asylum, that's us. Okay, then, Andy, evening to you as well, Tosh. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, Felix Sturm, Andy, three years in prison for tax evasion. He's a good fighter back in the day Was Sturm. He's going to be isolated in a cell, meals brought to the door, away from coronavirus. You wouldn't mind a good stint, I suppose, locked up at the moment, like old Felix
1: I um, suppose he'll, he'll get in there out of, uh, out of harm's way, three squares a day, and a bed for, for nothing on the taxpayer. But I tell you, the, the judge hasn't really fucked about here, actually, because it's more than tax evasion is what he's been done for, actually. Because three years and three months in jail, apparently, right? So Sturm's lawyer apparently wanted two years probation. That was rejected. So he got found guilty on six tax cases, found guilty and attempted two other tax fraud cases. Apparently this goes back to 2006, when he was paying his money through a Swiss firm. He's been done for also providing uh, false information to tax authorities. And this was an absolute actual shocker, actually. And I don't know why it came about. And I'm not an expert legal matters, especially German legal matters, for fuck's sake. But they've brought in the doping offence for the Fiedergenau fight when they got caught for the Stanisol for the rematch. So they've managed to bring that into criminal proceedings. Um, and in the court, we actually heard that Sturm had actually went into a doping programme in Austria between December 2015 and January 2016. And the fight between Chudinov was uh, 20th of February 2016, that same year. So, what the judge is basically says is the assault, he's ch- basically put it as, a, as an assault charge, ABH. Uh, there's always uh, He's actually quoted as saying there's always physical injury when boxing. However, the use of a doping agent ignored the agreement that Sturm had made with Chudinov. So, we no longer have Chudinov's consent, there is an assault. So, that was a very interesting. Uh, you know, outcome there, I think legally is that a bit interesting. I mean, obviously there's this big uh, doping scandal going over just now and over in Austria called Op- Operation Adderless I think it's called something. A lot of cyclists and skiers and uh, Nordic uh, combined skiers have been caught up in it as well. Uh, and I think this is what's happened with Sturm. I think he's maybe been caught up in the same kind of program. Um, but it, it could be a, potentially it would be a game changer actually if other countries were to take the lead. What Gemini's doing, especially in boxing and, and, and kind of combat sports, if you're caught doping and that gets taken into kind of criminal conviction and stuff like that, it could be a game changer. But, um, yeah, three years, three years and three months, don't know if you'll do the the, the, the full pokey like, but you're about
0: half of that. And they said it's an open yeah, prison as well, so he's laughing.
1: You'll get the come and go, I suppose. But I, th- I thought it quite, you know, quite this so much shocking, but as well, the, the judge actually rejected right out of hand any poten- potential for like, say, as I say, he's getting his um, getting his probation, and then he's then two years and stuff like outside, maybe on tag or whatever and that. But now they've squashed that, right in the prison. So I uh, best of luck to him, just then he pick up his soap and shower. Oh,
0: exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Just looking at his career, actually, Andy, obviously he came to prominence in 2004. It was a career. I was real hardcore back then. So, I mean, not like I am now, but so I would have followed his career quite closely. Real nice fighter. Excellent jab, as you mentioned last week. Uh, Lovely switch hitter as well. It was against Oscar De La Hoya that he came to prominence. A lot of people actually thought that he might have done enough uh, to win that fight. Um, Yeah, talk about the Oscar De La Hoya fight, first of all, before we go back to his German reign.
1: Yeah, well, I won the fight for me. Um, I think he won at something like 1-16, um, I don't think there's really much else we can say about it. At the end of the day, they had to get, I think it was that fight they had to try and get Oscar to win in order to try and get the the full um, unification fight with Hopkins for the undisputed title. That's um, right. I think Hopkins was an undercard, but... You know, other than that, his, his career after that, he spent a wee bit of time kind of rebuilding and stuff after the Oscar fight. Then obviously, he stopped off Javier Castileo, if I remember rightly, which was an upset,
0: like, wasn't it? Castileo it was, was a big punching, experienced fighter, but he wasn't expect. he showed Sturm up then. I think it was like a man against a boy almost, the physical strength of Castileo.
1: Yeah. Well, Castileo was, was definitely he, he was he was a, a veteran by that point, one of, one of, yeah, one of the top fighters. Maybe, to Spain. 70 fights? Ah, mm-hmm. He was coming out of Spain, that was a uh, one of the top fighters at that point. or Definitely fighters about a point, but did he not win the rematch? The rematch, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, he beat him on points in the rematch. He boxed clever. I think in the first fight, if I'm remembering it rightly now, it was 14 years ago, he boxed well early on against Castileo, and then he started to really slow down and tire, and it may be a lack of experience, and then Castileo took over and maybe stopped him in the 10th, I think it was, and he learned mm. the lessons for the rematch.
1: I think the uh, other thing as well, I don't know if it a bit disciplined in regards to weight and stuff, because I remember the Sebastian Sylvester fight, there were obviously a number of fights in between them, but they fought Macklin. For what I remember reading or hearing at the time, he had to dump something like thirty pounds for that fight. Mm. Um, close fight. Macklin probably aggrieved to 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 know win it, but um, some people did have stern winning the fight. Yeah, the Matt Murray debacle as well. You know, he seemed to kind of just do enough, but I think it was the the, the Daniel Gill fight it was whereas um, I was more impressed with Gill at that point because he was going. Was going on the road, winning fights and stuff, and uh, that was a, that was a big, big, uh, big shock. Um, Sam Solomon got them for drugs as well, um, and then obviously he did Darren Barker when Barker, you know, he won the title that Gil was was holding at nice. the time, and then obviously he's come back and beat him. But um, I remember, um, I can't remember if it was the first fight or the second one. Was that one of the fights where these he's, he's dying, his gloves started to kind of come off as well. I don't think seen I've seen those him.
0: ones. You know, I remember seeing him against Zabik. Zabik was it? Zabik Sebastian Zbik, and they thought he was done, and he absolutely jabbed the head off Zabik. And I don't think I've seen many fights after that, apart from Barker, obviously.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember the Stieglitz fight? Um, yeah, I, I, that one. I do remember the children fight. I'm sure it was one of the children fights where there was an allegation. You could see it through the fight that the. I think he had red race on or something like that, too, you know. and you can see it starting to kinda of rub off, you know, the actual dye or the actual mm. red material on his gloves would actually kinda of begin to run and just basically kinda of peel off. Um and obviously it might be the same fight that he could have done for the, the Stanazol as well, steroids. So um yeah, he's obviously he's obviously been unlucky to get caught as well for, for the drugs and that because it's as we hear for Victor Conti. it's always about IQ tests and it's no drug testing. and it's maybe just fucked up cutting. You know the cut-off period, but going a program like like what six weeks before the fight, I always I was I was always what I read and, and heard that is you you took it like months beforehand, so when it was of your system, you still you still maintained and gained the benefits from months to come, you know. So who'd I know though?
0: No, I was just gonna say before we move on. Yeah, it was two thousand and six. He fought that guy Massolino Masso, who was really old. He was about forty-one. He was a Samoan big puncher, and Masso had upset Evans Ashira, who people might remember went up to super middleweight to fight Kalzagi. Or he had fought, no, he wouldn't have. But he wouldn't have fought Kalzagi by that point, I think. Anyway, who cares? He, he, Masso beat Ashira, got the WBA title surprisingly, and then Sturm outboxed him for the WBA title in two thousand and six. Made, and then it was in his first defense against Castileo that he got stopped. For anybody who cares about that type of stuff, um, yeah, Jamie Pittman, I interviewed Jamie Pittman as well, Australian guy, nice fella. Him might try and get him on the pod anyway. Let's move on, shall we? While I ring up our first guest, Ozzy, do you want to give us a brief rundown of this British boxing border control um, situation? I know they're saying about five fights behind closed doors, no ticket selling, whatnot. Any, give us a brief rundown while I ring up our guest, please.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that we've come out with with this statement already. Um, I'll just pull it up now and pull out some key highlights. But um, what what is an interesting thing is talking about five fights um, already. I mean, it's tough at the moment that they're talking about this stuff. Yet they've got out there and said that you can't do any sparring and things like that. So um, I assume that if things do get lifted, what's going to happen? Um It's great if you're a big-time promoter and you've got TV backing, so Sky, BT, um, ITV maybe, Channel 5, uh, but your smaller whole promoters, I just don't know how they're going to do it because Steve Goodwin's been openly spoken about it before, that. there's no point in streaming stuff because there's no financial benefit. Um, A lot of young prospects all don't have the backing of promoters and they rely solely to make money uh, and to Essentially, to put their earnings in the pot by selling tickets, so it's a case of that they even need to get on one of these bigger promoted cards, which is going to be difficult because there's going to be a lot of fighters keen to get out there. And if you're restricted to five fights, what you're going to have, you probably going to have a four, six, eight, ten, and a twelve. Um, it's going to have to be all British. So your British journeymen now are going to be hot property, and they can be charging what they want. Um, probably going to see a lot of British titles um, eliminate. It's a good a point that market. actually.
1: you uh, that there. Sorry, mate. Dive in, but they're talking. Talking, they're talking, they're talking. about like Fury and Josh, but already talking about um, you know talks to to fight in the UK. I heard Bob Arm talking to. Um, mm-hmm. Christina Poncher as well. He's talking about you know you know what they could maybe be looking at but again. It's you know you need to be using fighters from from, uh, from America. Josh Taylor's talking, for example. He says, "Look, I'm trying to stay in shape and all that sort of stuff. But I'm going to need at least seven weeks sparring, going- at exactly. minimum. Is- you
2: know." So the update that was put out. Um, it basically said, "As a professional boxer, what can I do? Usual things. Can I still train? Yes. Exercise can be done at home. Can I spar or go to the gym? No." So, I mean, look, it's all right keeping fit, going, riding a bike, running, uh, hitting a bag, things like all things you can do at home. But you need to spar to go into, you know you know, essentially to get ready to fight. And you can't do that until all these things are lifted. So, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do to ensure that fighters are going to be ready. Cause surely they can't they can't license fighters who say I've not sparred for eight weeks or some. We're not talking you know like a last minute short notice opponent here. These shows are going to be lined up, so I think what they're going to be hoping is they somehow get some sort of leeway or lifted restriction from where it allows fighters at least from where they can go to the gym again um and they can do some sparring and then they can plan for shows later down the line. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um like I said, for small hole boxing, I just don't see it as a feasible thing. Um I don't think um so I don't think some fighters may not want to they might not want the risk if they've got a job or they've got sponsors, things like that. They might want to wait. Um but as I say for small hole boxing it's going to be a struggle but for your your bigger promoters who are under pressure to fill dates um, I think they'll look to explore every avenue possible, uh, but it is going to be all British shows, um, as I say, top by British title fights. I mean, the one thing it does do, it gives some potential extra publicity and exposure to your area-level fights, your English title fights. Some some of the best fights I've seen have been at that level, and it's because they're evenly matched. The one that always springs to mind for me is Boy Jones Jr. against um, against... Uh, bloody hell, Craig Poxton. Poxton. Poxton, yeah, Craig yeah, yeah. Poxton Brilliant fight. It was on Box Nation. Quality, quality fight. Um, unreal. And and it was just, it was for a Southern Area title, that. But I tell you what, it was evenly matched and it produced the goods. So if we see more things like that, great. Still not sure what it means, you know, for like no fans. I mean, I heard some talk that they're going to put cardboard cutouts in seats <laughs> and things like that. It's just. Doesn't yeah, Frank do
0: that anyway? Wow. <laughs> uh, what's
2: what's the point? Literally, what's the point? Just, if you're going to do it, it doesn't really matter um, I mean, one of the shows that I think we'll first see back is probably going to be Terry Harper against Natasha Jonas um, It's one that can be done relatively on the cheap um, As I say, if you're going to do like, that'll be a 12 rounder then they'll do it well, 10 or a 12 then you'll get another one arm then some of the um, essentially your prospects coming through because that's all you can do uh, but nothing's been agreed yet it's all right putting out these statements but at the end of the day there's been no movement I understand you've got to plan for the future because when you can hit the ground when you when you get the go ahead you want to hit the ground running but for me I still think we're a long way away and there's more to it than just you know let's do it as I say fighter availability um a lot of the journeymen do it you know like part-time they're not all pro all full-time pros. Are they going to be ready? It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens.
0: Yes, certainly will be. Uh, No word on our first guest as yet. Going to keep uh, giving him or her a try and hopefully get them on. We have two guests lined up tonight. Number one, not answering the phone at the moment. We'll try throughout the evening for you. Everybody in the chat seems to be enjoying themselves. What about you, lads? Jim McDonald's there as well. Mr. Controversy, trading leather, boxing, Steve Brown. Who else have we got there? Yeah, we'll talk about Fowler and O'Hara Davis in a minute. Just before we do, Andy. Just go back in time briefly. James Windsor has thrown in a question for you over on Patreon.com forward slash Boxing Asylum. How successful, Andy, could Salvador Sanchez have been in boxing? I know this is something we've talked about before, done punches from the past and all that. But how successful could Salvador Sanchez have been? His title reign was already superb before his death. And you feel he could have moved to super featherweight and lightweight soon after to potentially fight the likes of Chavez and Arguello. Don't disagree with any of that, Andy. I think he would have been superb and was as well, up to the point of his death.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've mentioned this before, actually, as well. You know, if he had lived in that, I mean, there was obviously talk about the the Gomez, the uh, Gomez rematch. Um, I, f- I, he was, I think he was in talks to have a rematch with Juan Laporte um, after the Nelson fight for some... Um, just off the top of my head. But yeah, he's right. I mean, grew up, up in weight, actually, <laughs> featherweight, super featherweight. Um, I don't know if lightweight would have be, been, I mean... It's a tad too much for him, but that was the goal near a good featherweights I mean, you had uh, Rafael Lamont, Canela Bose Edwards, um, uh, Bobby Chacon, um, Barry McGuigan would be, be, be late, I would think. I think it was before he was what, mid 80s. I think it, well, Sanchez would be up by that point. Chavez, we were coming into, you know, his first world title was what was it, mid-80s, 86, 87. Alfredo
0: Gomez, Andy, would Gomez have been hanging around at that point? Or...
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Gomez kept going, because um, I remember him fighting uh, Zuma Nelson, and that was, a f- that was a fabulous knockout by Nelson, but he kept going to at least the late 80s, I'm sure, he ended up fighting Lock- uh, Rocky Lockridge, uh, beat him in a close fight, um, I'm trying to think as well, he beat Lupi Pintor, that's another fight that potentially could have happened for Sanchez, um, you know, Zuma Nelson could have a rematch with him at some point you know, because of them, But what he's going to achieve, having you know, numerous fights he's had with Jeff Fennec and Jesse James Leha G- G- uh, Gennaro Hernandez they'll you know, fight De La as well, Pennell Whittaker I mean, Christ, he fought the who's who's man, the featherweights, super featherweight, yeah. lightweights light welterweights um, yeah, I mean there's without doubt, I mean because he wasn't a, like your old classic Mexican fighter. He was a technician, but you know it, as well as he was a fantastic athlete. You know if had you had your heart, he would he would try and take you out and stuff. But yeah, I mean you think of those names: Chavez, Arguello, Lamont, um, Laporte rematch, Gomez rematch, Chavez, uh, fucking Navarrete, um, the one for the Philippines. Yep, same. Not saying he'd be to beat them all, but even if he, if he won some and you know lost some of them and stuff like that, you know, at 23 at that time, what he would achieved up to up to his death was hall of fame potential. Um, beating those guys who were all great champions and in, in their own right, um, especially Guel, who'd never lost a world title. Uh, he, you know, as champion, he'd never lost his title in the ring. Something like 14 and 0 as as, as champion through three weights. But yeah, um. He could have been one of the greatest of all times. Uh, I say that respectfully, by the way. I mean, without doubt, he could have easily been one of the greatest of all times, so beating guys like the, uh, Little Red, Ropez, Castillo, Laporte, Gomez, when he was like a heavy underdog. Cowdell, making adjustments against the likes of uh, uh, Pat Ford. Great fighter, absolutely great fighter, and without doubt, one of my most favorite of all times. But as I say, if it's just so what if, if my granny has had had bollocks, she'd be my, my, my oh. grandfather, you know. he's That's, only
0: twenty three.
1: He's only twenty-three. I know. That's the thing. Yeah. Twenty-three. And another thing as well is apparently he wasn't going to fight for much longer. I think he was only going to fight for another year and he wanted to be, go and become a doctor or something like that. I'm sure I'm right in saying that. He wanted to become a doctor, but um so we, we, he, he might even if he lived, he might have never seen the best of him in that Eh? But what we saw, I'm sorry, it's just one of the finest fighters you'll ever see.
0: And shout out Andy to someone you mentioned there along the way who fought uh, Sanchez two fights before his untimely death. Pat Codell. He was only nineteen and two when he fought Sanchez. And Sanchez was I mean, he was only twenty-three, but he was in his in and around his peak as we knew him. And Codell pushed him to a split decision over 15 rounds. I used to know an old boy who knew Pat Codell. I think after his retirement, he uh, opened up a furniture removal business or something, which is completely irrelevant. But Codell was a he was a good, a good, solid fighter and to push Sanchez, to a split, like I said, two fights before his death, showed what a good fight Pat Codell was as well.
1: Yeah, he was a good amateur back in the day, I'm sure it was Olympic silver or bronze or something. Um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, is, I remember I don't know if it was the back end of his career and stuff, but he'd, um, he'd uh, he knocked too early, And were like, it was like first round, I think it was a bit of a shock actually, I'm just going to pull up his record just now, give me a second to you. It was a first round stoppage. I in Elson, that's who it was, actually. That, that was a bit of a shocker, actually. It yeah. was, um... zoomed was, was champion at that time. Right, okay. Yeah, so basically, he, he got twatted about the ring and stuff, and I don't know if he, if he fought for long after that, but, yeah, he was, he was a very good fighter uh, back in his time, but, um... I just like he's, you know, for what his talent had had, had, had. he was just a wee bit... I don't know if it was... As he got older, I don't know if it was a Nelson fight alone, but, um... They got stopped, like say, in a few fights after that as well. So um, maybe that was just his, his his one night of glory that he stepped up and gave Sanchez fits and stuff. But um, certainly never reached those heights again, anyway.
0: No, it certainly didn't, unfortunately. Ozzy uh, moving closer to home, down a couple of levels, it's fair to say. Bit of beef between O'Hara and Davis, Eddie's pulled him from back underneath the bus uh, to get this beef fight with Anthony Fowler. They're, they're quite uh, far in Oh so Davis is a big old unit. The lesser of two evils for me would be O'Hara. And I'd say it'd be too big, too strong and too heavy punching for Fowler. Uh, would you say you'd prefer O'Hara to win lesser of two evils?
2: Oh, I would rather see Davis win. Um, I don't think he would. Um, I think Fowler's a big guy for 154, and I I don't see what's Davis at 140. Um, It's not a fight that should be sanctioned, in my opinion. Uh, Fowler was banging on about how he'd get in the ring, and he'd be about over 160, pushing 170. Then, I'm sorry, you should not be going in with somebody who weighs in 140 pounds the day before. Talk about danger and stuff, and this bullshit beef, you know, this Twitter rubbish and things like that. It's a typical Sky and Matchroom thing to spin a story because there's nothing else happening. Nobody wants to see this fight whatsoever. What about the Scott Fitzgerald fight? That was happening, you know, that, that was the talk of the town a couple of months ago, but unreal. Like, what, why, why is this even happening? It's boring. Um, like I said, it's not interesting it's the usual thing, you know, like, oh, O'Hara Davis said this about the newspaper and stuff like that, and it was completely blown out of proportion. Anthony Fowler, probably the most, one of the most disliked boxers uh, in the sport at the moment, just can't do anything right. And even when he tries to be funny, he does that wrong. Just a bizarre turn of events. Uh, I mean, they're making mini press conferences out of it now, which, which says it all, um, I, I don't know what else to say, to be honest. It's 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 not a fight I want to see. Um, it wouldn't shock me if it does happen now, at some sort of catchweight at like, whatever, like what, 150 or something like that, 151. Um, but yeah, it's there's no point to it whatsoever. Um, does it shock me in this day and age? No, but hopefully we don't see it.
0: Well, you never know. Eddie, might try and put it on for us. Let's move on then, Andy, shall we, to another question. Bit of a light-hearted one here from friend of the pod, Joe Kennedy. He's always good for a question or two. He says, what are the best and worst boxing nicknames? I know we've gone through a few in the past, and I always bring up my old mate, Gerald Nobles, the Jedi warrior with his little uh, dangly tits. Uh, famous heavyweight from the 2000s, you might have forgotten about. Joe throws in a couple here, Andy. Uh, one from way back in the past, George the Orchid Man Carpentier. And also, my favourite, um, uh, El Gallo, Negro, Gerald Washington, the Black Cock—any uh, mm-hmm. that you want? You want to throw in that come off the the top of the head there, Andy? Best or worst boxing nicknames?
1: Uh, well, Butter Beans, obviously one of them. <laughs> go to Bean, go be. Um Well, what about Anthony Small, Sugar Ray Clay, Jones Jr.? Classic. Well, he lived yeah. up to it.
0: To be fair, didn't he? I mean, he was right up on those guys' levels.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the best ones. I mean. <laughs> See, well, See some of the the best names are obviously the, for the bygone era, <clears throat> and it's when like the media was like kind of racist and stuff because you know Sam Langford obviously was like the Boston Tar Baby. That's right. Cool, yeah. Um, it because he was black, you know, but fucking hell, man, what a fighter! Um, uh, the Mongoose, probably one of the best ones I can think of. Top my head, Archie Moore, Manos the Piedra naturally, Hitman Tommy Hearns, the original Hitman. Ricky Hampton, um,
0: as well, the next hitman.
1: Yep. Yeah, um, trying some worse ones, actually. With, uh,
0: well, I've got uh, one for you, Andy. What about former Roy Jones vic, uh, Jr.
1: victim Tony Thornton, the punching postman? Punching postman, fuck's sake. Um oh what was the one that uh, the one that Danny Jacobs originally had before he had the the Miracle Man one was it the Golden Child or something?
0: The Golden Child because he signed with Oscar, didn't he? And Oscar was the golden boy, and and like Jacobs they were they were marketing him to be the next in line, the golden child, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Fast Eddie Chambers. Fucking hell. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, hell. um what about Rapin
0: Rob Kelly? That's a good nickname, isn't it?
2: I have a good one. Do you remember you remember Steve Jamoy? Um, yeah. been over yeah. a couple of times, got knocked out. So his nickname is younger brother of Stefan. <laughs> Straight into the point. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, factually correct. Um, we've got the black member.
1: Yes, I love that one. I yeah, love the black that one.
0: Mamba, um one second. I've got an interesting fact about a black mamba. You boys probably know this already. The black mamba snake is naturally black. It's actually like a silvery yeah. grey colour. It's the tongue that's black, isn't it? The inside of the mouth.
1: Um. Well, probably like this one, but every Irish fighter seems to be called like Irish. Like, for example, Irish Mickey Ward or Irish, <laughs> Irish Andy White Lee White. Uh, or Irish Pat Lower or something <laughs> like that. You know, have <laughs> yeah, got, yeah. got a wee bit ancestor in there, They're always Irish. You know, it's Irish. <laughs> Rob
3: Kelly. They gotta get to the money. They should have done that with Canelo, man. They should have called him Irish Canelo <laughs> <laughs> Irish Canelo Alvarez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They dropped the ball there for certain.
2: Yeah. We've got um obviously Dillian White's called the body snatcher. Don't think I've ever seen him knock anybody out to the body yet. Uh, up the top of my head. I want you to guess this one. I'll be impressed if you can get That's this. a lazy
3: one, by the way. Do you know what? I don't like fellas reusing nicknames because that's Mike McCallum's nickname. And that yeah, fucker God. shouldn't have Mike McCallum's nickname. Yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. exactly. stand. The baby-faced assassin.
3: Mark Antunio
0: And then James Tennyson was the baby-faced assassin as well. after yeah, uh,
2: Shannon called, called it.
3: Shannon Cook, Who was the right. baby-faced assassin in history? Jimmy McLaren? Yeah. Jimmy McLaren was a babyface assassin. And then there was there's been a lot of hitmen as well that are undeserving of the fucking hitmen title. Not my man Haney that was on last week. We give him the benefit of the doubt, but uh, there's too many hitmen that can't hit.
1: Merciless Ray Mercer. That's a great one. <laughs>
3: that was brilliant.
1: Owen, what it, the hit back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, guess. Mark, Mark Two Sharp Johnson. Love that one. Aye. Uh, go on, Oz.
2: El Phoenix Assassino. <laughs> Assassino. Popular heavyweight boxer.
1: Oh, it's not Saul, is it? Oh, as it is. I was just going to say that you it got it before me.
0: Steve Saul, Starr- Starr- El Phoenix, Fenix, I'd take it that's Spanish uh, assassin,
1: something assassin, or not a clue. I you know, you mate, Steve, I thought you might have put up your man Michael Nunn. Oh yeah, second to none. Yeah. Second well, general. MB put one in
0: the chat that I was going to say, actually. Just beat me to it, MB. The Hispanic-causing panic, Luaz,
1: uh, oh, Juan Lascano. My. I was just about
0: to say that one,
1: yeah. Hispanic-causing panic. Fuck me.
0: Did you know that Juan Lascano was down to fight Floyd Mayweather at one point? It was around the time Floyd was fighting guys like Henry Brasilez, Victoriano Sosa, you know, when he had the hand trouble. And mm-hmm. Lascano turned the fight down. I think he was going to get like a million dollar payday. He says, No, when I fight with Floyd, I want to be like ready and have a few wins. You know, we can make it a big title fight in a stadium or whatever. Uh, I think uh, Juan probably should have just taken that fight.
3: <laughs> Anything with sugar in it should be retired now as well. Yeah, after, after a later, no more sugar. Sugar boy Malinga, was it Sugar Steve Robinson as well? Was he a sugar? Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: Can yeah. uh, sugar, sugar Shane Mosley, who's sugarless? Shane Mosley these days. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: A cannon Shannon Briggs. All oh, right, oh, right.
1: O- right. O- O'Neill. O'Neill, give him hell, I oh,
0: He's a great <laughs> fighter. Love Bell. Uh, Talking uh, of sugars, what about former super middleweight contender Henry Sugar Poo Buchanan?
1: <laughs> Jermaine Bad Intentions Taylor. Oh, his post-fight career certainly. <laughs> well, bad he is intentions. now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
3: he was right. <laughs> what yeah, right well, you call it? Yeah. Well, Deontay Wilders is a is a write off. The bronze bomber. We already had the brown bomber. Like that's a fucking like that's like saying Robert Hands of Granite Kelly. You know, it's just a cheaper buff like, It's because it?
0: Wilder came with bronze. Uh, he got won the bronze, didn't he? In '08 oh, was it? Yeah. I think.
3: Oh
1: hey, Roman Maiden Hill Carmesin. <laughs> that's right. They're like all Fuck. Oh, R- Ronaldo, Mister Snipes. <laughs> Aldo Snipes. Let's have a look oh, in the chat. The boys got a hope. few here. Uh, the Real Deal. Up. Dr. Excuse Steel me. Hammer Andy.
0: Uh, Sugar Ray, Clay Jones Jr. Yeah, we got that one. Uh, the Introverted Wanker, says Jason Chucker. I don't know if that's his one or not. Uh, the Real Gong Kid, that's says
3: listeners' nickname. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Mongoose. Archie. I, I
1: said that. Yeah. I said that I, I, I one.
3: The
0: Eastern Assassin, Larry Holmes, Kaiser Kobe. Yep, that's a good one. What about Chop Chop? Oh, DeMarco,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Shot, shot.
1: Cinderella, man. (laughs) Cinderella,
0: man. Classic. El Gallo Negro, the black cock is still my favourite. Gerald Washington.
1: (laughs) (laughs) El Inca. El Inca.
0: Right, let's move on then, shall we, boys? few good ones thrown in there. Yeah, the Hebrew hammer, Dan W. We had Mark 2 Sharp Johnson. The Weatherfield Warrior, says Jim McDonald. We'll end on that one. Uh, Rapping Rob Kelly. How are you tonight, by the way? Feeling good? Feeling strong?
3: Well, I'm a bit disappointed that you didn't give all my nicknames like uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, the King of Beers. He's going to ring me in the field, rapping around <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm indoors for the moment. I'm going to venture outside for the shortly. I'm on the uh, Budweiser tonight, guys, just keeping it commercial. Um, like Michael Buffer. Brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers.
0: No Corona, no Rob. Brought to you by Corona. <laughs>
3: I uh, drank that. When, I used to drink that when I was over in Cancun, right spot. But that'd take up a, a whole podcast by itself. So, I know. Yeah. Um, what was the fight? Do we get to the Groves frauds fight yet? No, we do that later. We haven't
0: got there yet, Rob. Uh, we Good. were. We've gone. We've gone over a few things. The nicknames, as you mentioned there. We we're also talking about the great career of Felix Sturm, who's been um, sentenced to three years in prison. So I don't know if you want to go uh, balls deep for forty-five minutes on old Felix. Favorite moments.
3: What's the... worth? Well, Hell, man. Felix Stern. Like, what happened to him that he that he ended up in such a bad spot? Like, he seemed to have like a pretty good career for a guy who wasn't an A class fighter by my by my um, estimation. By any st- stretch, could certainly operate at world level um but was never going to be like a, a kind of a, a global superstar or whatever. Got a, got a, more than one questionable decision in his favor. You would have thought um that he'd had enough money in the bank that he didn't have to go down there. What was it what was the the kind of um probably probably beat Oscar by the way and didn't get his moment. That's that's yeah. probably the his highlight of his career. But what's the um what's the main uh, factor in his downfall? Is it is it does he owe money or is it substance abuse? What's the
1: that's the thing. That's the thing. Because he was his own promoter, he didn't have a big, big entourage. You know, if you look at some of his fights and that, and you know, if you see the people with him and stuff, he was. Can I can put it. He was self-promoted. Everything he, that he made it went to him. You know, he, he fucked off the Bosnia as well. He tried to hide for the situation, and then he had to come back at some point, but.
0: Because he is Bosnian by birth, he was in Katic
1: in the amateur, wasn't he? You know what I think it is, Rob. I think it's the drugs. the The main thing is is the drugs because that has become a criminal conviction. He got done for E B H for that drug offence. Ah, for,
3: right, okay, okay. For, okay, for the stanozol,
1: okay. the tax evasion. I mean, you you could you could pay the fine and pay it back over a certain period, I'd imagine, and maybe do what yeah. a year of probation, maybe.
3: But this judge is, you know, people are surprised. Germany. If you get caught to open, are they basically taking it as like an, an, an yeah. a, a criminal offence? Well, fair fucks to the Germans for? for taking, yeah, you got to give them credit for that. Like, um that's that's strange, man. Yeah, no, like a good, decent enough operator. He probably got like it's. He, he, he was. You, the guys mentioned he's bosnian uh, originally germany was kind of a uh, home for exile fighters there wasn't a toward the 2010s like two, right. uh, marco
0: hawk zolta die carol a lot of shit wasn't that <laughs> it was but were, it just
1: goes to show a
3: boxing country that they were able to take you know take exiles and make them superstars and have that as their home base like and some of those arenas were fucking jam-packed like for Germany definitely had some big boxing nights in uh, over the years there for sure. So interesting, really, really interesting. But um, probably should have lost to Macklin, should have lost to Martin Murray. I would have thought. Um, maybe you give him the rub of the green because he should have he should have beaten Oscar. Um, if he's popped for the steroids and they're making an example of him, it has to happen to somebody. It's a pity it probably doesn't happen to more fighters it's across the border. There's not a, kind of a universal legislation in place where that can happen more often. Um, but I don't want to see anyone go to jail, man. I don't want to see, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And I hope he, he 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 definitely gave some good performances over the years. So I hope he straightens out the um, financial issues and gets back on, the, on track. But if anything, it's making for an interesting uh, autobiography. It's putting an extra couple of chapters there so he can cash out on that, hopefully at some stage. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't like to see him in a bad spot. I always thought he was a half-decent fighter for sure.
0: Yeah, he was a talented fighter, could turn southpaw as well. One of the things that Rob said there, which struck me as well, surely that guy must have made a load of money over the years. All those big nights in Germany in front of the lights, fighting guys like Macklin and then going over to fight De La Hoya. Yeah. He must have made some serious paydays, well, Andy. I mean, what the hell's yeah. he been spending it on?
1: Well, that's the thing as well. mate. When you're popular in Germany, you also drag in the TV numbers and all the money over there in, in Germany at the time was non pay per view. And the money he got, I mean, even the Klitschko's were earning fucking millions. And so was he. So was Abraham. So was Huck. Mm-hmm. You know, these were big, big name fighters. And obviously, it's, it's kind of die of death. You, know, you had Marcus Bear back in the day. You had Fragamini. Um, uh, what's his fucking name? A uh, Gianni, The two Rocky Gianni fighters. I think they were, you know, uh, German uh, as well. You know, they were making, you know, sold out arenas. You know, they were like, it wasn't like you see, uh, like, yeah. Like guys coming in feel like Britain and that having a big baby, and that they were having like areas that where it was, it was like champagne. There was like fucking caviar there at ringside, and that proper like go to events. You seen some of the cameras ringside? It was all like you know dollies and guys, you know dicky bows and suits and stuff, like, proper fucking night suits and stuff, you know. But I obviously sold out. And um, again, as I says, I just think he's 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 made it. He's he's took bad advice putting his money through Switzerland, right? And then he's got fucking done for the drug. I think the, the main thing of this is the drugs. The fact is that they've took this as a criminal matter and just went straight to it, I just think that's that's made a difference here. And I can see if other countries would follow suit, it might make a big difference, actually, and make a big example of some of these athletes, because that's the biggest name I can think of, sports-wise, who's been jailed, not just for fucking tax, but also to have the doping and be big Basically, doing it as an ABH, you know, actual bodily harm, because, you know, basically, the judges basically said that Chudonoff hasn't given his consent, that fucking Sturm isn't allowed to dope to fight him. So, yeah, it's, it could, it should be a, a game changer, in my opinion, but is it going to be? Obviously not.
0: Yep, rest in peace, Felix Sturm. Hopefully you're okay. Uh, moving on then, Aussie, Daniel Adams has thrown in a question for us. He said, What are the panel's most memorable, spectacular gas jobs? I've just watched David Hay versus Carl Thompson, and it reminded me of how on top Hay was in the first round and suffered no damage, and then the tank just emptied. Uh, one that struck to uh, me Aussie, was, indeed, David Price, obviously. He's had a few gas oh, jobs, yeah. but especially against yeah. uh, Tony Thompson.
2: Yeah, I hate these questions because they catch you off guard because you can't think about them immediately. I forgot about Big Price. I wouldn't have said him um, in terms of coming to mind straight away. Uh, bring Andy in as well because I he might have some that come to mind straight away and I'll have a think that where there's a fighter on top and then he just gets
0: Well Big Frank Big Frank had a couple of gas jobs like at the, the first few rounds against Lennox Lewis, he was doing really well off the jab and then the tank just completely emptied. Or well, what about fighters overall who just had bad gas tanks? I was thinking well, of think,
2: older uh... to say that, you know, like it's it's quite rare you'd see, say, for a 12 round fight, you'd see a fighter dominate for say eight rounds and then tire. I mean, you could say Billy Joe pre-thingy against Eubank dominated for six and then the tank emptied big time and Eubank took over in that fight. I mean, it didn't cost him, but it was an example from where, you know, he his fatigue levels rapidly deteriorated. Um, I'm trying to think of any others those. Uh, or horrendous gas tanks.
0: Let me have a think. Andy, do you have any as well? Me from you, Andy. Uh, Declan Garrity's gas tank was never the best, I don't think.
1: Sorry, we talk, what was the question mate? I was I was responding to something in the chat there, uh, with about, he was asking if Rocky Gianni was actually German. Ah, he is. Sorry, what was the question?
0: It was just the uh, worst uh, ga- uh, gas jobs in a fight or, or, or fighters yeah. who had bad gas tanks, you know, so David Hay gassing out completely yeah. against Carl Thompson was given.
1: Uh, uh, Here, here's
0: one Andy, this is another one I was going to mention actually. Well, against sure yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Lee the alcoholic Fosch has mentioned it. Mike Jones against Jesus Soto Carras. I often tell that story. You know when he oh, emptied the tank on uh, him, he, <laughs> he tried round. to knock him out, and First he was round. absolutely bollocks for the next eleven rounds. First round,
1: I <laughs> just got. Well, what about uh, Angulo? am Angulo against James Cutland in Mexico. Did the exact same thing. Angulo yeah. tried to fucking smash him out after yeah. dropping <laughs> yeah. him, and he gets just punches himself out, and then he just gets iced. Um,
2: Taylor.
1: Harrison, Tony aye, Jimmy Taylor. One. Yeah. those um, yeah. other, the, the, other fighters there are, or fights, um, especially like ones going go the radar and that, but it's just off the top of my head. Um, gas, gas jobs. No um, question, though. Bruno, Br- Bruno against McCall, even though he won the fight, he was fucking toiling the last four, four three, four rounds of that fight, I can remember. Uh, ben against Watson, what about that fight? He gassed. Uh, yeah. He fucking gassed. Um, Eubank was, was prone to gassing, by the way, but he always kind of seemed to find ways of signing fights and stuff because he used to strap. See, I was thinking about Eubank. There was a story about him. Was it? was it Jim Rosenthal? He um, was at the way and he was so fucking dehydrated totally Eubank was, right? He, he turned to Jim. I'm not going to try and do the lusper, right? But he turned to Jim, Jim Rosenthal and says, Jim, my my eyeballs are so dry. Can you imagine actually trying to close your eyelids and your eyeballs are that fucking dry because <laughs> you're so dehydrated? That's crazy. It's fucking mental, man. Um,
0: Do you remember that guy, Andy, who fought Vicky Burns and he swung for the hills for about eight or nine rounds? Was it Gonzalez or something? Then he, uh, he,
1: he quite, ran out. Oh, yeah. that was a great night. That was a great night. Um... Gas jobs, trying to some some American ones.
0: Yeah, Koizuka says Mike McCallum there, but McCallum battered Watson to the body like he Povek- did
1: everybody. I mean, yeah. Pavetkin against Huck. Yeah. I remember yeah. Pavetkin against Huck. Actually, he fucking he toiled badly, and that was that was probably Huck's last great effort before he he started to hit the slide because he came up for heavyweight up the cruiserweight, the heavyweight for that fight, and I thought he might have just shaded it, but um, yeah, he fucking. I thought Povetkin, he was he was fat, he was slow. But this is this is like pre-roids, Povetkin. Um, I was going to say, Dylan White showed moments where he's been gassed. Out, yeah, you
2: know. I was going to say, yeah, I was. Chisora, just, I was going to say in the whack fight, White showed he tired, and then he showed it in the Parker fight, Chisora fights as well.
1: Bellew against Yusik, he gassed it before he got knocked out. Um,
2: Koblev tired. Oh, I I
1: yeah. Oh, I without doubt he's Ward. um, uh, Who Steve? Who was the one we did the one recently? Actually, punches for the past. We're discussing it. Who the fuck? Mm.
2: Oh, uh, good one in the chat, Kudryashov.
1: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, if you, if you, you, yeah, exactly. If you if you couldn't yeah, get if you, if you if if yeah if you couldn't punch him out within five six rounds, he was he was going to get knocked out himself. It's yeah. a good shout. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's good that, yeah. Um There's one thing he is a lot of them that they're just a lot of them are say, you know like big punches, and it's the the reliance on you know looking to iron him out. And if not <sighs> right. it's plan B then, and they're looking right. What we do? Um but anyway, we'll ring Wellings back in.
0: Yeah, thanks very much, Ozzy. Delighted to welcome our second guest of the evening on. We have Sam O'Mason. How are you, Sam? Yeah,
4: I'm good. Thank you. Very well. Thank you. <laughs> regarding the situation.
0: Yeah, have you been coping with the lockdown overall?
4: Uh, yeah, good. I've, um, well, as best as I can be. Uh, getting the shops in and whatnot. Make sure there's always food in and, and whatever. And regarding training, I've got my own treadmill and weights and pads and bags and whatnot. Um, so I've been doing my on little circuits and just using my imagination to put together what I can to get the best out of my training.
0: Yeah, I've seen you on Twitter and that doing a bit of treadmill in the back garden. You've been trying yeah. to mix things up a little bit.
4: <laughs> yeah, but yeah best I can, yeah, like a bit of treadmill and jump off and do like a weight circuit with weights or whatever. Um, shadow boxing, just stuff like that. Just using my imagination to put together what I can, like I'm I'm back in the gym but obviously I'm stuck on my back garden.
0: Yeah, just before the lockdown, then were you full time or were you still doing the scaffolding?
4: No, I um, I'm doing something pretty different now. Uh, I was in the, the scaf- uh, scaffolding game, and I got some uh, sponsorships, and then I was full time with the boxing. Uh, and then since then, I've gone into helping out uh, children uh, well, children and young adults that have come out of prison or the um, the struggle with. Uh, like ADHD and stuff mm. like that, and they can't get on any normal schools. Um, so it's kind of and, and people in social care and stuff like that, uh, and that educating them and taking them out and and basically giving them like an happier side of life and the it crap.
0: Well, that's good to hear. So that's like it's a fulfilling job, I would imagine.
4: Oh yeah, big time. It's uh, it's draining. You get it's very draining. Like when they go missing, you've got to go and find them and whatnot. But it's very fulfilling when you can. Obviously everyone's, everyone's got, born in normal life, except like you've got your mum, your dad, you've got support and, and security around you and you, you go to school, you, you leave university or whatever, you're going into a decent job and you live up ever after but a lot of these lads, are, the, the mum and dad's like everyone addicts and they've, they've been to social care and they've been out like of prison and stuff like that, so they've started off, it's trying to get them back on the right path and Getting turn them into like better people, so I'm introducing boxing, doing that as well. I like train them, giving them like something else to focus on, you know, to, to kind of steer them where they need to be.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Just going back into the gym briefly. You're trained by Ryan Rhodes. What's it like training under someone who's done so much in the game, like Ryan? Uh,
4: yeah, it's good. Um, it's good to get pointers and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's very good.
0: What type of things does he teach you? Obviously, he was a good switch hitter back in the day. Little tricks and tips. Do you do you spar with him even?
4: Yeah, now and again you'll get and we'll do some sparring. Yeah, he's still got the movements and whatnot. It's uh, it's funny to see because you you watch it back. Obviously, when he were uh, younger in, in his day with us, and then when you spar, he's still got them certain movements and whatnot. When you sparring, you
0: pick up often and mimic. Yeah, Ryan was a great fighter back in the day. So you had the English yeah. title. Then you went down to London to defend the English title twice. Do you think that uh, fighting away from home was a factor in either of the results? Because you got a draw, didn't you? And then a lot lost the second one.
4: Yeah, big time. It's a big, it's a big regret. I say it's a great thing, and we um, the the situation was one. We had six, six or seven people pull out from me from me to fight for the English title and then Kevin Hooper stepped up um, and he did move from weight as well and uh, I won it against him. Oh, sorry, I won it against him and then uh, six or seven people from then pull out uh, and then Kate Prosper wasn't in the position at the time to fight for the English because no one had, had taken me on. It, uh, the, he were willing to do it um, so they brought him on. Then I had the, the first fight with him and he was saying that... Uh, my jaw's not being tested he's gonna knock me out on x y and z and i think he underestimates me because me me the first round he come out and I, and I cracked him and his legs went straight away and i turned from round one to round ten uh, even his sister said that i'd won the fight but with it being down there they scored it a, a draw but then we made the big mistake going they, they won the first bids and then we went back down there to defend the title and then my personal opinion it it probably could have been a draw. If it were up here in this town, they'd probably given it me. But it could have been a draw. Bear in mind, I'm the champion going down to his neck at Woods defending it twice, uh, and then they gave it him. You know, you just think, and the, and the scores were wide as well. And it just, it's just boxing fury, is what it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes, so,
4: it, and even as it, um, people were coming up saying, "Why have you come down to to London hmm. for the second time to defend these?" It? You're asking for your belt to be took, basically.
0: I know, but then you're a fighting man, as such. You know, you got to take these type of risks and go where the fights are.
4: Yeah, yeah. It's um, instead of using my my uh, my brain, it come to a bit uh, just desperate and wanna I wanna win that. And, and the next fight would have been for British and Commonwealth title against uh, Philip Bowes. Mm. So it was just I was too focused on the British and Commonwealth and just fight anyway and do whatever I needed to do to get to that stage. Or instead of thinking outside the box and thinking, no, we'll get it somewhere neutral, or he can come up here and and I'm be, I've been the champion. I've defended it once down there already, uh, so he can come up this side and get some mutual agreement. It was just kind of no thinking and full full steam ahead, which is bit.
0: Yeah, just to remind our listeners, we've got Sam O'Mason on the call at Sam the Sensation over on social media. Any sponsors you want to give a shout out to, Sam?
4: Uh, no, not not at the moment. No.
0: Uh, one of your fights you fractured a hand. What happened there? Well, you maybe you even fractured two hands, did you?
4: Oh, well, when I fought, um, oh, what was his name? I forgot his name, uh, a Russian guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he come out in the um the first the first round I hit him with a a, a right left and my hands just bust, bust straight away. Um he had an head like concrete and then the, but we're only doing six rounds for so the last the next five rounds well, five and a half rounds I just had to use my feet and use my motion and get out of the way and just and juggle it basically and do best I could.
0: Do you think you'd be all the better for that experience? My... It's like getting a cut or something, you know, if if say if something happens in the future, you've you've dealt with it, you know how to react.
4: Yeah, definitely, Exactly. Like the uh, my first title fight was for, um central my British Masters against Andy Keats and he, he bushed mine in the first in the first round. So when your vision's going in that you've got like a saggy eyelid and it's over your eye and you can't see what you're doing,
1: yeah.
4: it's either you have a folder you continue to fight and you pull it out of bag which I did. So when that happened, it was kind of i already learned from the, the previous time before and I just had to keep calm and and use my head and do the best I could for that that situation and that moment in time.
0: Obviously, uh, there's um, word come out from the British Board that they are trying to get fighters back again. I mean, they're talking about behind closed doors and that. What's your opinion on coming back and whether you should fight in, you know, in front of people or not?
4: Um, to be honest, I ain't got a, I ain't got a foggy. Um, yeah. I'm just listening to what's been said each day, and personally, I think it's a, if, if it's not fully cleared up, it's, it's a bit of a daft idea because it'll just end up. Coming back tenfold and being probably worse and whacking even more people, are, I think that it needs to be a big, a big pause on everything, um, and just let everyone just crack on with their lives and be with their family more until it's completely gone, and then start getting back on their feet. Because obviously, boxing comes and goes, but when a, a family member or something like that's gone, gone for good. So I think we all need to be very, very cautious of what we're doing and not rushing back into what can always come, where obviously a loved one can't want to gone on the ground.
0: Yeah, well said. I've seen you tweeting out about these things, actually. You're very thoughtful. Do you think that this whole situation is maybe a chance to reassess how we're all spending our time?
4: Yeah, definitely. See, I think regarding, as deaf as it sounds, regarding earth and everything, it's given it a chance to breathe. because even ozone layers uh, closed up now. Um, and I think it, it's just... I, It sounds daft, but you're like, sun's well, not lately, but it has been out. Birds are always tweeting away, and everyone seems a lot happier. And I think it's, I think it's just made everybody really slow down and think about what's more important—just chasing money and chasing time and getting lost, getting lost in the moment and doing everything they Um, can—and just picking things up day to day by habit and not really living to the like the full potential regarding like. Being with the families and the loved ones and, and just enjoying the little things in life instead of constantly looking at what they ain't got and trying to chase what they think they when they've got it all better.
0: Yeah, well said, well said. Just finally on the boxing situation, if Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury get it on, who do you fancy and by what method of victory?
4: Uh, I'm going to pick Tyson, definitely Tyson Fury to win. And um, he'll it'll be a late stop win on points. But it won't surprise me if it was a rate of stoppage.
0: Maybe tire Joshua out or something.
4: Yeah, outbox him, tie him out, make him probably feel a bit silly. Cause um AJ reminds me of like a, a young Frank Bruno. Mm. Um, and then Tyson Fury with his movement and how he, his ring cross and how good he is and his boxing IQ. I think he I think he'll dan- dance rings around him. And personally I'd be shocked if I would be shocked if Joshua would ask enough to take fight. Money
0: Talks, I don't know. Money Talks, absolutely, we'd love to see that one. I mentioned earlier on Twitter at Sam the Sensation. Any other social media presences there, Sam? No, that's it.
4: I've just got Twitter
0: and Facebook. Lovely jubbly. Hopefully everybody will go and give you a follow then. Stay safe out there. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday evening. Yeah, thank
4: you very
0: much. All the best No, cheers. You too, bye. Bye-bye. bye Sam Mason there on episode 371. Good to hear from Sam there, Ozzy. No idea what's going to happen when we all come back. It's going to be tough for ticket sellers, isn't it, journeyman? Not, I'm not saying he's a journeyman, but you know what I mean? People trying to put a bit of food on the table and that.
2: It's it's probably going to be an impossible task because even your ticket sellers, you've got to remember the people you're selling to might be out of work or they're just getting back to work. And in reality, getting back to normal and getting your family life and your finances straight is more important than going buying a ticket to the boxing. Um, so we're just going to have to wait and see. I think it's one from where the small hall scene needs some support and backing because without that, um, I always say boxing would not be what it is. You remove the the smaller levels where it develops fighters coming through and things like that. um, You're just going to lose a huge, huge aspect of the sport itself. Um, So I I hope it's supported. Um, I hope people get more opportunities. I hope, as I say, that People do stick around um, because, as I always say, you like to Carl Greaves, Steve Wood, Steve Goodwin, uh, people like that. They do an excellent job developing young fighters, giving them the right tests. And then when they're ready to get them on the, uh, the bigger stages, they let them go and reap the rewards after that.
0: Talking of old names and old faces, which we weren't, but let's do that right now. Donnie Baseball appears to be on the call. We tried to get him on last week, couldn't hear him. Donnie, are you there? Can we hear you? I hope so. Yes, Donnie Baseball. How are you, sir? How are you?
4: Oh, fantastic. How are you, Steve? He's Donino.
1: <laughs> he is Donino. How you doing, <laughs> Councillor?
2: Yeah, Councillor Trello. Councillor Donald.
1: <laughs> the Donald. The Donald. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm here, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, as a constituent of yours, Donald, I've got a concern.
4: Yeah?
1: Yeah. What concern? What, what, what colour envelope do you want from me this month? White or, or manila? <laughs> he's he's muted himself. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> hey. Nothing. When you go. Welcome back. How's your wife?
4: Oh, she's she, wonderful. she pregnant yet? uh no but uh I mean, we're come
1: on it. get on the fucking job donny because i wasn't i wasn't i didn't knock back that invitation you your wedding. just to you tell me a year later oh i got her got pregnant yet Get on the fucking job and i and i'll tell you what i'll do i'll be anything. i'll be godfather to the wee man right i'll come out of that i'll come out of the christian guarantee i'll come out of that one <laughs>
4: i'll do i'll do my best for you when we get
0: started thank you <laughs> right donny what have you been watching you been watching the boxing? Any any vintage stuff?
1: Yeah, we can watch what I don't uh,
4: well, you know, uh, no, not really. I haven't been watching much of anything, to be honest with you, except uh,
3: well, except porn.
4: But uh, but that's about it.
0: I see the MB in the chat. Donny says pray for Cindy, but Cindy's Dave the Hater low back's mom, so I think he's getting his wires crossed there.
4: Yeah, he's getting the Americans confused. You know, we all look the same to him, I guess.
0: Hi, racist in the chat, racist. Uh, stay with us, Donnie. I wish I had a better uh, question for you, but I don't at the moment. But I'll hopefully um, try and get something for you very soon. So if you stick with us there, Don. Do my best. Good stuff. Wrapping Rob Kelly's back with us as well. Question for you, Rob. Flying in as we speak from Matthew Reynolds. He says, what are wrapping Rob Kelly's views on Lloyd Hunnigan? Does his Don Curry win show the fighter he could have been? And is it maybe another case of wasted talent, Rob, before my time, to be honest?
3: Well, Jesus Christ, um, Lloyd Hunnigan was a very good fighter. Mickey Duff was in his corner. Um, he did the impossible by going away from home and beating Don Curry, if my memory serves me correctly. And by the way, Don Curry, I think, not only held one, he might have held two wins over Manel Staling, which will tell you what kind of fighter Don Curry was. I think Cunningham probably got him at the right time. There was a lot of rumours and whispers around at the time that Don Curry was per- perhaps uh, riding the white horse around the cocaina for the Spanish listeners. Um, <laughs> hey, so he-
1: sorry. You go, I was just going to say, I was watching Bruce last night, his brother, fighting Tommy Herons, and he actually shot his trainer in the mental institution.
3: See? So there, was a, there, there could have been fun There's form something there. there. Yeah,
1: there's definitely something
3: there, like. But but saying that, take nothing away from Lloyd Hunnigan. Did it? Um, did it against a top tier fighter, and just goes to show you at the time when the welterweights were fighting, everybody in that little triangle tournament kind of. Mark Breland had losses to Starling. Had a loss to Starling and a draw to Starling. Starling had a lot loss, maybe two losses to Don Curry and a win over Hunnigan. And Mark Breland had a win over Hunnigan. So he was a very good fighter, the Ragamuffin as they call him. Um. A- excellent fighter. Beat Johnny Bumfus as well. I think there was a bit of controversy on that. There was one fight, it might have been at Loftus Hall or at the Royal Albert Hall where, and maybe the listeners can correct me on this, but Lord Hunnigan ran across the ring against Johnny, B- Johnny Bumfus and didn't give him time to get up off the stool <laughs> and fucking hit him. In the, in the, I remember my dad going absolutely apeshit watching it at the time. Um, over that, but you know, take nothing away from Lloyd Hunnigan. He probably overachieved in his career, be- beating a fella like Don Curry. But a very good fighter, man, and the welterweights were red hot at the moment at that or at that time when he was when he was around because Mark Breland, as I said a couple of weeks ago on the show, I think he had 91 amateur fights, lost one, and destroyed the guy that beat him in three rounds as a pro. And only had a loss against Marlon Styling. Marlon Styling had something like sixty-seven fights at that stage. Absolutely unbelievable welterweights. The two of them too. So to be hanging around with those two already, right, he lost to both of them. No shame in that. He had a definitive win over Don Curry. And I think when you look back at Lloyd Huntington's career, you can't do anything but give him props. Great fighter.
0: There you go. Rapping Rob Kelly has spoken on episode three hundred and seventy-one. Rob's with us. So is Aussie Andy, Donny Baseball as well, alongside me, Steve. Let's get back to you, Donnie, then, shall we, with a question flying in from Holt. Are you ready for this, Donnie? Question from Holt coming in, Don. Yeah, you're in a bad spot at the moment, Don. Shall I come back to you? Yeah, I think we'll do. Losing him at the moment. I'll come back to you, Donny, in a second, whenever you get yourself into a bit of a better spot. Let's go on to you then, Ozzy, from Kevin Chase. Question over on the Facebook page. He says, Oz, what round would you show your non-boxing fanmates or casuals to show them what this sport of boxing is all about? Then what round would you never show your mates? So Kevin's thrown in a couple here. It doesn't have to be a famous fight, for example. So maybe the third round of Hagler versus Hearns is significant, or maybe Lewis versus Schmeling. But what round would you show your um, non-boxing friends to discuss uh, what a great sport it is? He also went on to say, Corrales for Castillo, round 10, which is obviously oh, a, a no-brainer.
2: I that. Yeah, that was the one I was going to say. Um I would. Another one that I thought was a good one was probably was it it's kind of a, a lap over into both, but the Joshua Klitschko round five, yes, uh, which then went into round six because obviously Klitschko um, was dropped early in round five but then ended the round well on top and Joshua was gone gassed and then naturally dropped him in the sixth. But if you're showing somebody you know who is just a casual um, why they should watch. The Castillo work, Corrales round ten is just I, I just can't think of a better round. It was unreal. Um and it and it had everything. Um rounds not to show them,
0: anything involving Lawrence Coley. Yeah, he uh, said that Lawrence Coley versus Mattiaski in round eight.
2: No, no no not just that fight, anything <laughs> involving Lawrence Coley, uh anything involving Dave Allen. Um Henry Akin Wandy. Yeah. <laughs> He's been in some terrible ones. Uh, Audley Harrison, anything involving uh, a lot of the stuff involving Audley, um, but yeah, uh, it's a case of if you want if you want somebody never to watch boxing again, let them watch Lawrence Acoli, and if you want to attract new um, potential new fighters, show um, rounds such as Corrales uh, Castillo round ten, and I think we'll have more people uh, certainly tuning in than switching off. I would imagine so. What about
0: For you, Andy? Sh- oh, maybe one was it round ten in the first Bow Holyfield fight? Oh,
1: you just stole it from me. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say that. Whole if you round ten, just absolute fucking carnage. Uh, round fifteen, uh, Ken Norton against Larry Holmes.
0: Yeah,
2: oh, no, that's a good one. That's a fucking good one. Incredible.
1: Yes. Uh, round uh, round seven, Duran against Moore, absolute fucking savage beat down. By the way. And I, I, one of the, one of the knockdowns. Whereas I've never seen it before or since. He actually chins the guy with a right hand, and he gets knocked down. But he he actually collapses right on, literally on the seat of his ass. Um, the great rounds. Um, well, obviously you got round uh, round nine, guy Ward. Um, oh yeah.
2: What, what was the one, was it involving Cello Render, where him and...
0: Oh, Samuels. Samuels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. double knockdown. Double oh, knockdown. Yep. That's right.
1: That's yeah. right, aye. They had the rematch, did oh. they, too? can't remember. I'm sure... That,
2: that, was that. The re- that was the rematch. Was that the rematch, right? So, yeah, Render got knocked out. I'm sure he got knocked out early first time round, and then that was the rematch. Um
3: Yeah, I'm last, sure... It, last round of Tony Giroff. Yeah. yeah.
0: Emmanuel on the mic.
3: Hey, hey Steve. Uh, yeah. Emmanuel, it, it, Emmanuel and Mickey Ward, uh, Gaddy round nine is absolutely unbelievable. And, and you're off. It's fucking golden, man. That the, uh, Emmanuel's con- commentary adds to that so much. Like when he gets invested in it, he, come go back down to the body. Oh, <laughs> fucking brilliant. <laughs>
1: Um, Steve, any round you want for George Foreman against uh, Ron Lyle? Ron Lyell. Lyle, yeah. And Ron yeah. Lyle, round any four round? Maybe, yeah. Mm. Ron Lyle. Yeah, what against, about John
0: the Cicero against William Caveman Lee? Yes. At the end, oh, the finishing round,
1: round yeah, five. Round, yeah, Round five, I because uh, Caveman has a wee bit of problems. Um, oh, there was one that was just right at the tip of my head. Um, it's well, I suppose if you want a round to kind of no show your your, your mates and stuff. But you could actually show your mates this round and it would question their stomach for the sport, you know, because this is what the sport's all about. But grit, determination, you know, you're blind on one eye, you're fighting the greatest fighter of all time, and it'll be round 14. Uh, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier okay. in the third fight in the of Manila because you've Joe, put a beat on him but by that point, he's blind legally in one eye, He's sh- his eyes closed, and the other- his good eyes closed, he can't even fucking see a thing, and Ali's just teeing off on him, punching fucking straight shots open, and he's taking them, and he's coming forward, and he's just, he's, that's no thats no a chin, and that's no anything else bar will and by heart, that he's wanting to step in there, and he's wanting to come back out for a 15th round, he can't even see shit, and after the fight, Ali's in his bed, and they come and drag him out of his bed, help help him get dressed to take him downstairs to the after party. Can you imagine and, you know, it? Is, and I think this is the greatest comment Ali's ever said. Actually, he says, says if he was ever called a holy war, Joe Fraser would be the first person That's he'd right. be fucking he That's would call right. up next to him. Yeah. There was Plot one I can't,
0: there was one came to my mind, but I can't remember the fighters involved. They hit each other at the same time. One of them goes down, but as the refs count him, you can clearly see the other guy is really badly hurt. He's like staggering back into the corner or something. I, I was watching it recently. I, I can't remember if it was it was me and you for punches from the past, but I mean, it's a waste of time because I can't remember who the fighters were, but definitely something like that happened.
1: We're watching too many fights these days. That's so wrong, mate. And we can't remember what's happening. Yeah. Joshua
0: Ruiz, um... In
2: the where they both hit the deck in the first fight would have been a good round to show someone relatively new. Obviously, really Tell you easy. what
3: you don't show. Let me get battered. I, I put someone on to Rigando just <laughs> before he fought. De, 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 was it Francisco? <laughs> oh, Drian Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? You have to ask me the like... ones. <laughs> you should have said something I meant the Agbeco fight. <laughs> oh fucking Hell yeah, just as bad. Fuck's sake. Oh
1: stop! Um, remember Mike Jones? Yeah. Um, I think he was. I think he was fighting Randall Bailey. Was it Randall Bailey? I think yeah, it he was. He got knocked out by Bailey. Uh, it, it was yeah. the shittiest, most awful, fucking shit tard of a fight you ever see. I think it was on the card of the fucking first Pacquiao Floyd fight, sorry Pacquiao Bradley fight, and that fucking that fight lasted for hours before the fucking fight happened. But it was the shittiest awful fucking fight and then Mike Jones reaches in with a lazy jab and Randall Bailey catches him with an uppercut and ices the fight so it was the the most you could watch that fight the first 10 rounds you sit say oh, I ain't watching boxing again and then you see the most fucking delicious knockout in the next round so you could see that one as well
0: quite a few thrown in let's see if we can get Donny Baseball in on the action how are you sounding now Don? you there Don? Clear as day. It's going well, isn't it this? <laughs> Good lad. We need to get the hate. So where's Gabe these days? What's happened
3: to him? I got I got a topical one seeing as Andy was on last week, but Andy Lee versus John Jackson. Last round that was a fucking because he was policy oh, yeah. and just yeah. about out, wasn't he? Yeah that I against
0: Jackson that's right. Uh right I've got a question for Donny, but I'm going to have to park it. I don't know what to do with him. Andy uh, got one for you coming in from Ted Barrett. It's a bit of a niche one but we all we all like talking about bullshit like this. Ted he says before my time. Uh, so let's uh, compare the eras of these titles. So where do these titles rank? So the IBO at present, the WBO in the early 2000s or the WBO oh, in, in the 1990s. I think what he's saying, Andy, is, you know, the way these are quite niche things, which is like sort of the shittiest and most irrelevant. Do you remember the IBO? Yeah. Well, the IBO at the moment, it's sort of gaining prominence. Some people call it the fifth title. I put, you know, I'm a big fan of the IBO myself. WBO, WBU in the early 2000s, they were trying to pass it off as a world title whenever John Robinson was in charge, running it from his shed and uh, Ricky Hatton was supposed to be a world champion, even though he wasn't really with the WBO. And then the, the WBO in the 90s, so obviously he's going back to sort of in and around, just before maybe the Michael Moore era. It was a bit of a shit belt, wasn't it, back then? Do you remember? It, it, the WBO was like the IBO yeah. is now, and they were ranking dead guys. And So I think he's just just brief comment on those three titles, I think, whichever takes your fancy.
1: Well, I think... Um, we'll, we'll mention WBO because that's the most recent one. came into effect where he. Nineteen ninety, I think, late 80s, eighty-eight. Anyway.
0: Maybe was it eighty-eight? Possibly. I remember.
1: I remember. The, I remember the first heavyweight champion was Francisco Damiani, right, and he fought the South African Johnny DePlo, right, and I think Damiani was an Olympic champion, and you had Ray Mercer, Muirer might have picked up a belt as well, and then you've got Tommy Morrison and stuff. So I mentioned it last week, it was your last week or the week of four. I think it depends on who the, who the belt holder is at that time. Obviously, the WBC is the old. No, it's the WBA is the oldest. And then the WBA. The, w, WBA, WBA. Yeah. the WBC came out the following year, and the IBF came out in the early 80s or something like that. And Larry Holmes became, I'm sure, the IBF champ, was the first inaugural champion and stuff. But, um, you obviously get the divisions coming in as well, who you know, go champions and stuff. <laughs> See, at the end of the day, it's like everything else. I ain't a fucking fan of belts and stuff, but it goes back to the fucking day dot. There was always, like, an American champion. There was an Australian world champion, the British version of the, the world championship and all that sort of stuff. So there was always belts. There was the IBC belt going about and stuff. There was the IBU belt uh, back in the day as well. <sighs> End of the day is the, the belt holder to me made the belt there's been some fucking shit over the years now you can imagine you got Lyakovich you have fucking um who else you had I'm gonna uh, throw
0: one in here Andy while you're thinking actually do you remember Zolt Erdai? I know I mentioned him from quite yeah. time to time he was the WBO light heavyweight champion and I watched most of his fights this is a sad bastard that I am he had this reign I mean, of terror and he had a reign of terror in the 2000s, and some of the shit that they served up to Zolt Erdai in the name of a, a world title. They had this Australian called Paul Murdoch, and he looked like he just staggered in off a session. I mean, this yeah. guy shouldn't have been anywhere near. And then Erdai beat a guy called George Blades, who said before the fight how happy he was to be there. Danny Santiago. These were like top 30 guys in America, not even in the world. Uh, like Friday Night Fights caliber. There should be nowhere near world titles.
3: i remember I'd I'd you who has a, has a lot. Two fighters who have a lot have gained a lot of credit for... Um, Making the WBO what it was, uh, British fighters Chris Eubank and Nazim Hamid. Yep. Yep. Because it was like Boxer Monthly, right? like the belt kind of came around at, around at the same time as the birth of Boxer Monthly as a magazine. And they used to slate the WBO belt until a couple of British lads won it. <laughs> and then it was like <laughs> the fucking greatest belt of all time. So Barry Horn and Frank Warren did a great job with the WBO over the years. And um, those two fighters, Eubank and Nazim Hamid, absolutely made it a, a reputable title, I think, in my eyes.
1: See, the thing as well as I mean, I, again, I'm, go- I'm going to harp back again about, you know, the fighter made the belt, but you also need to remember as well as a fighter who was a world champion of, of holding one of these belts, obviously, you know, they actually, you know, in their own right, maybe defined that belt because I'll take, like, the minimum weight champion, Leo Gomes, um, he was, W I think he was IBF minimum weight champion and he done so much for the Venezuelan And I think in Venezuela you actually had to retire at a certain age. Well that law was scrapped for him because he was world champion at that point and they wanted him to continue. Hmm. So you know maybe things like that suggest you know again goes back to what Rob was saying as well about Eubank, you know, make makes a belt. Well he maybe made the the WBA, WBA belt but again minimum weight, minimum weight's not as, as, as uh, <laughs> nobody watches it do they you know, but Gamez went up to like flyweight and won, won a belt as well. Uh, he was like champion for a number of years. Um, uh, I'm trying to think, like, say, WBO champions and stuff, especially. Well, okay, look at Cleverly, for example. FedEx the belt. I mean, we're really looking forward to the, the Jurgen Bremer fight. I think that would have been a great fight. Bremer pulls out, and then the shit that he fought was absolutely fucking deplorable. Um, I'm trying to think, so, well, Steve Collins fought Eubank, and then he fought Ben twice. Ben, at that point, in my opinion, was 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 was, was shot.
3: Ben was another WBO freaking pursuer, though, as well. Yeah, uh, one sixty was he?
1: Yeah, exactly. And he he, he fought a washed Aram Bartley. and again, did the the, the the I'm say, the, the board actually actually even look at him as a as, as a champion? Because. I'm I trying don't to remember think so
3: dude I, I, yeah I think Memory thing. Now, it's gone purely on memory but I, I I at the time as i said WBO was not considered a sank a, like a, a, gen- a reputable world champion it was just one of the three and then the WBO but like as i said over the over time it's become now it's the fourth title like isn't it so maybe yeah. the IBO in time will become that but um for there for the moment it's not there for me the
1: other thing as well she you had you had um, I don't know if you remember the the guy Rob um Eamon, Eamon Loughran. yeah, he that's was right. he yeah. was he was WBO champ, I think, as well. But then you had yeah. a lot, of, you had a lot of uh, Danish fighters winning belts and stuff. And who was the guy that Oscar beat? Uh, Johnny Bridal, I think. It Johnny was. Bridal, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we used used to smoke about fifty a day, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, Dado um you know Cotto fighting Torres, you know. Then he fought Kendall Holt who had that 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 great great knockout. Um
0: I've got one here, Andy, for you. Um, Enzo Macronelli's WBO reign at Cruiserweight. Do you remember? He beat Bobby Gunn. And then on the uh, calzaghi Kessler undercard, he beat Mohamed Azoui, this Egyptian based in New Zealand. And I will give um, Macronelli credit, actually, for the way he dealt with Wayne Braithwaite. I think that was a good win because Braithwaite was a serious puncher who went on to upset Johan Pablo Hernandez. But also, while we're on the subject of Macronelli and fitting in with Ted's question, he was a WBU champion. Yeah. And uh, Sky, I mean, uh, talk about the shit, that, the absolute dog shit that they served up for uh, Macronelli on Sky when he was WBU champion. I mean, it's absolutely criminal. I mean, they had this one guy bought in called uh, Rich LaMontagne. I'm going to have to actually look this up on YouTube to see if he's as bad as I remember. This guy could not even stand up. He, he was like shot to shit walking into the ring. He looked like a fellow who was acting as a boxer in a movie. Rich LaMontagne. I'm going to have to have a look this up, man. But anyway, that was Macaron as the WBO champion, yeah. which is the Warren and Bob organization. I said this the other week, didn't I? Uh, the W, what is it? Aram has held the WBO featherweight title for the last 12 years or something ridiculous. So, them two Mm. are right in bed with each other. But the WBU as well is is a pile of shit, too.
1: The other thing, as well, is you need to remember if you look at the actual early champions, WBO, um, they were either for likes of Holland or the UK. There's some South Africans who were champions in that, as well as a couple of Mexicans, especially as you went down the weights and stuff, Um, a couple of Puerto Ricans. But it was always a belt at WBO when it was actually regarded more as a European world title. And there wasn't much credence. And uh, you see, this the thing is just, I was a big fan of HBO, but especially Jim Lampley, when they mentioned title holders. And they never mentioned the organizations by name. They just say that 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 it so and so owns this organizational belt whilst X Fighter owns this organizational belt. And usually would just take the piss out of the organizations, really. And um, it's just kind of like full haul new. But I suppose the real question should be: Is who, who, who the main four? Who what is it? What is the most legit? I mean, you the IBF have their own problems with corruption. You know, WBO's had ranking dead bodies. WBC have almost been bankrupt by Rocky Gianni, and you've got the fucking Panamanians just creating belt after belt after belt like it's fucking John Lewis. You know, so. They're all as nope. bad as each
0: other. I don't think I've tried. We've tried on the pod before. Yeah. You can't make a case for any of them. Nope. It's like saying the electric chair is better than frigging being stoned or something. They're all as bad as each other.
3: You know what, though, in, in in fairness to the WBO, they're probably the last of the bodies out there to go and go WBO Diamond, WBO Interim, WBO Fucking Mayan, WBO Intergalactic Space Force Belt. They're they're fairly uh, reluctant to. Go down that road as far as I can see. Maybe I could be wrong, now, But um I think you might be wrong. They've they got kind European,
0: deep. haven't they, and and all
3: that stuff now. Yeah, uh, well, right, right. Sh- yeah. Sh- yeah. Sh- But like a European, no, I can kind no, of understand no. it because some fellas have to keep their, they're just wrong in order about. to fight for European title. Yeah, you have no. to fight because I remember I remember <laughs> being back with Andy at one of the fights, and someone, some, uh, someone came in from one of the ranking bodies, and they were like, "Okay, look, like you've had." X amount of fights in Ireland, so that qualifies you for a European title, which will put you in a ranking spot for whatever belt. So I kind of understand that a little bit more than the kind of Diamond and Intergalactic and franchise and fucking all this. Like they're not as they're not as bad as the other two, I don't think, at the moment. But you know, they're all pretty fucking bad, aren't they? Like
1: I was watching Dennis Andrews against Alex Blanchard earlier on the right. And Alex Blanchard won one of the very early versions of the IBF European belts. So yeah, the, the, the WBO European, which kind of came yeah. into effect there a few years ago, and that it's
2: just, it's just ranking belts. That's all they yeah. you are. You're,
1: but then, why, why though, mate? I mean, at the end of the day, but, it's, 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 it's a sanctioning fee for the belt for the company. You pay, you pay money to me. I'll make sure you get a good. It's just it's paying your way. And in the days of day, well. it's it's fucking corruption. You win the, the fight, you win not. the belt. You get a you get a position in the top ten, top 15, without my those,
2: without those ranking belts. You don't need four organisations because if the said organisation, say the IBF, ranks one to 15, then what is the disparity for then the WBO, WBC and um, WBA to rank them anything else? Because if there's no ranking belts, it should be the same. It should be one to 15, your top 15 fighters. That is what makes up the ranking for all four. But it doesn't work like that naturally because we have these ranking belts and some will go a preferred route because they want to fight a preferred champion, etc. Things like that. You see, like eight and o, 9 and zero fighters in the top fifteen now, and they're the most false things ever. But then you look at mandatories as well, and how people worm their way in. I mean, two of the worst we've seen in the past what five years are uh, Busyé and um, and Jojo Dan. Garbage, absolute trash in terms of a
3: mandatory. Um, see, but past- uh, as well was as that, good. we have to kind of. Sorry, man. Go ahead. On you go, when you go, when you go. No, no. I, as as well as that, we have to take kind of take into uh, consideration that fighters get rankings because they're paying sanction fees. Look at look at fucking Conor Bain. Like he's yeah. flying up the fucking world. Yeah. Wow. Weight rankings. Yeah. Yeah. Has a yeah. to fucking, yeah. He probably hasn't fought that anybody Remember. that fucking. Hang with anybody in the top twenty. If you're being real, like if you're taking sanction fees out of it, and you're looking at it like a real welterweight top twenty hasn't beaten anyone that can fucking hang there. Well, Yet remember, he's number four for a well, fucking in the top 100. Yeah, remember exactly, dude. Remember he'd been, he been injured and he
1: went up two positions. He had he fought for over a fucking yeah. year. Yeah.
3: Exactly. So, one, so it the 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 ranking positions are bought and paid for in a lot of these organizations. Yeah. Like
2: yeah, the one th- the one thing I would say though, and when we had Jason McClory on the pod a while ago, um, Frank Warren's matchmaker, and he touched on it and he said, the one thing it does, it says it makes fighters make weight. So as they're progressing, because as you see, you can agree to fight Joe Bloggs and it can be at what, 160 pounds, for example. But then in reality, they're weighing it like, it's a middleweight contest, but they're weighing it like 163. And you know, there's no reason to make weight. But by putting one of these fringe ranking belts on the line, it then means that, look, they have a purpose to make weight for a start, because if they don't, they can't compete for a belt. And then from there, they get a ranking and other bonus points and things like that. But he said that it, do, it gives fighters coming through ways to make weight and things like that. Now, I never thought of it like that, and I'm not condoning it whatsoever. But it's a fair point, because the amount of times that you see, you know, you'll just see like a middleweight contest. You know, against like a journeyman or something, and the weights are a joke. They're not even at middleweight sometimes, or above middleweight, or welterweight, or something like that. So there is an aspect from there, from where it allows people to learn and develop to make a fighting weight. But they're all a joke in reality, because I mean, you go, you go down the rankings, and then you could, you could probably struggle to pick a top fifteen out of all four rankings, which is fair because they're the flooded with rubbish. Absolute trash. The WBO were bad for it, you know, like these... Well, with the WBO Africa belt, and you just get these random... You know, like, uh, what was his face? Who, um, oh, who did Dubois knock out? Ebenezer Tete. Oh, he really, was in the yeah. top 15. He was shocking, absolutely atrocious in terms of, um, you know, technically a top 15 fighter. Rubbish. Um so, the one bonus is it does allow people to make weight purposely, but we all know that they're a money making scam and you buy rankings. If you've got a promoter that's in with a certain, uh, what's it called, a certain organization, i.e., WBA with Matchroom, uh, Bob and Frank with the WBO, uh, you know that 10, 12, and oh, you win an Intercontinental Belt. You're straight
1: in the top 15. Well, that was what I was going to say. I mean, you've got all these Europe- WBO, European, IBF European and like you've no go- I've not seen it so far with the other two. But back in the day, if you what if you won a European title, it was pretty much guaranteed lock on you were going to get a top 10 ranking with the
0: mm. WBC especially. Yeah. Right.
1: That's right, you it. What you. the fuck do we need these other belts for? If you've got a European belt there, keep it fucking keep it active. Keep a fighter, keep a champion fighting, and you know, Andy. Just if you promise my top ten ranking as champion, say two defenses get you a top, top five. four ranking, top five. Top five four, yeah. Defend it three times, you come, you come mandatory. I think that's fucking fair. You know, but nothing's fucking fair in boxing. You only get what you he, negotiate. EJ well. Flores
0: was a good one. Do you remember that? When whenever oh. they shoehorned him into the top fifteen, he hadn't had another fight in I about
1: f- a year. Fight <laughs> for Bell, you? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Jesus fuck.
2: I mean, what was it? Flanagan fought one, that Mazonki Farmer. Again, won some shitty, you know, like WBO African belt and then he becomes, you know, it, it allows them to become a, a challenger. Um, I mean, we can go on all night about shambolic, you know, challenges for titles and things like that. Um, and in reality, an overhaul needs to happen or something needs to happen on the governing bodies from where they start to agree more. Because the rankings are laughable. As we say, Ben was at, what, a career-high six? Hasn't fought a top 150, 100 welterweight? How is that even possible?
0: Yep, there you go, Ted. We've discussed some of the ranking bodies for you. In depth, we've lost Donny, unfortunately. Andy's still here, Aussie, and wrapping Rob Kelly, though. We'll be going on to Belly of the Weeks very shortly. Before we do, a couple more questions, um, and then we'll get on to our Cruiserweight tournament. We've got Froch Groves as well, so plenty to be getting through. Wrapping Rob Kelly, question coming for you from Holt. He says, do you think Floyd ducked the Delahoya rematch? Biggest pay- uh, pay-per-view in history, 2.4 million buys. And with the controversial result, the rematch would have been even bigger. Holt goes on, Rob. Oscar has a rematch clause. Floyd instead fights Hatton, retires for two years to avoid the rematch clause. He probably says he wasn't happy about the splits, which is fair enough and true. But I think, says Holt, Oscar gave him hell, nearly won, at least on the scorecards anyway. Oscar stopped using that jab or Floyd took it away.
3: I think Floyd took it away, dude, and if there was a second fight, he probably would have won a little, a Boy, little clearer. I think if there's any... He's, he's had two rematches, hasn't he? Medana and uh, Castillo. Castillo is the only one that you could say ran him close. Could have got the win. I think it was... I had a 7-5 where you could make an argument for 6-6, six, six, but I think a lot of the time... At the time, Castillo was getting... No, Castillo had a great fight, but I think... Um, because it was closer and he was causing Floyd kind of problems that you hadn't seen him getting posed before, maybe it was its a, 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 a kind of similar in the first. I, I remember about the first time some people had uh, arguments for Maidana winning the first fight, like, um, so you get people with all kinds of opinions, but definitely Floyd did some questionable things with the retirements and all mid career, you know what I mean? Like, was hugely suspect when you look back at it, he, he there's quite big question marks over Floyd that don't get. Asked as much apart from Thomas Hauser, we do we do kind of you know the narrative of the public narrative is that he's one of the greatest of the modern era and he is, but there's massive question marks over Floyd with with doping as well as Manny, um so he he definitely had uh, questionable instances where he retired and stuff. Whether it's a duck of oscar i don't know i think he would have beaten oscar clearly more clearly the second time and oscar was on the slide as well let's not forget that like he, he look at his performances after floyd um i think you'd have to fucking favor floyd heavily in a rematch with oscar like but certainly for for uh, cash generating opponents um you couldn't have looked at anyone bigger than uh, oscar floyd too but floyd Capitalized off his popularity that he gained from beating Oscar and decided to become the main man and be the, the, the number one guy in the driving seat. Maybe he figured he didn't need, and he obviously didn't need De La Hoya, too, in, in retrospect. Like, so, um, hard to say, hard to say he ducked him. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think he he probably, I don't think he ducked anyone, Floyd, but he was just clever in how he match made post De La Hoya. But I can't really say he ducked anyone, to be honest with you. Maybe Margarito. Margarito is probably the only one you could say he genuinely could, could make a case for that he ducked like, because he fought Baldemir or something instead of, of, of Margarito. Cause he said, they said Paul Williams
0: right. at one point, didn't they? But it was never really close to being made, was it?
3: There was no, as far as I know, there was no offers or no real huge no, clamor. I, I don't think so, Rob. I don't think so. For Paul Williams. I think R.A. the Rugged Man raised, raised the Paul Williams fight, uh, point on his interview where Floyd, he was slating Floyd for cherry picking or whatever, and Floyd phoned in and RA stuck it to him <laughs> um, it's a famous interview you should go check it out if you haven't seen it but uh, RA was the one who brought Paul Williams' name into the mix saying Paul Williams had come down from 54 to 47 to fight you now like why are you fighting fucking Joe Schmo for, like and why didn't you fight Margarito instead of Baldemir? and he, Floyd famously said he got 12 million for fighting Baldemir, and RA was like I don't believe that shit that's bullshit like he didn't get 12 million <laughs> for Baldemir. like probably on the back end pay-per-view numbers he probably did but um that was an amazing interview because Floyd's as much money as he has. Like, why would you... Like, R.A. The Rugged Man on that po- podcast, for anyone who doesn't know R.A. The Rugged Man is an incredible underground rapper with an in-depth knowledge of boxing. Him and Vinnie Paz probably in the in the underground rap scene. Massive bo- boxing fans and they always make it known that that's their kind of hobby outside the sport. Um, but Floyd phoned in to a satellite radio show to confront R.A. The Rugged Man <laughs> on his opinions. It's literally one step away from him just dropping onto the call tonight to say, hold on, rapping Rob Kelly, are you trying to say that I dug fucking Antonio Margarito? <laughs> you know what I mean? His ego, his ego is so fragile that he couldn't uh, just sit back and be like counting his money. He had to phone into a Sirius FM uh, satellite radio show in the in the States to confront Ari the Ruggerman and it definitely made for a listening goal. So you should go check that out if you haven't heard it recently. Really good.
0: Yeah, that's definitely worth a listen. I know Vinny Paz throws in quite a few um, boxing references in his lyrics. Uh, The asylum are being accused of trash talking here, apparently. So I've only got one thing to say to that. Who cares? That's a message to all the trash talkers out there, all the haters. Uh, Let's get on with our cruiserweight tournament then, shall we? A few weeks ago, we did a heavyweight tournament. Uh, We went through a few fighters. The guys give their opinions over two minutes. Uh, Dan W reminded me tonight, let's get back on the cruiserweight scene. So Ozzy, Andy and Rob are here. Eight fighters all thrown together. You've got two minutes to come up with a winner and then we'll get through to the final. Hopefully you remember the format from a few weeks ago. So first fight, we shall go to you with this one then, Andy. Are you ready then? First cruiserweight. Uh, I've put them all out, all, all okay. four of the fights. So the first one to you. Quarterfinal number one then for the cruise weights. We have Dwight Mohamed Kauri versus Marco Hook. Two minutes, oh. Dwight Mohamed Kauri versus Marco Hook.
1: A uh, big fan of both fighters. A uh, watched most of Huck's fights, gonna you know, as he was coming up, cruiserweight champ. He's reign a terror. Um, but I've got to say with Cal Wee, the the mini version of Joe Frazier. Um, fantastic at light heavyweight, um, fantastic at cruiserweight. Um, even had a wee joint up, I'm sure, but maybe uh, up to heavyweight, I think. George Again. Foreman,
0: didn't they? Which seems ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking. I was thinking more along the lines of fighting um, uh, Spinks, Leon Spinks. Mm. I remember you like, take the piss out of him that night as well. Fought Holyfield to, uh, uh, well, obviously, that great. It's one of the, the Holyfield first fight is one of the one of the last great fights to go fifteen rounds. If you want to throw in the like, say, Lavander Johnson's fight. I, I forget who it was who was fighting at the minute, but uh, I I think. Cal Wee would roll underneath and just basically bang away at the taller, longer Huck, who basically would try and time the last 90 seconds yeah, around and just there, yeah, trip into action and just beat the shit of people. But, you know, Cal Wee, he had more about him. You know, Huck's coming from a kickboxing background, um, very, very wild. Whereas Cal Wee, he could box, he could move, but he could fucking brawl, we could dig in the left we could roll underneath so I'm going to go Cal Wee, I'm going to say Cal Wee by, how many rounds are we going here 12, 15 rounds? Uh, 12 I think, I think 12 so. rounds, I'm going to say Cal Wee on points
0: Cal Wee on points then, let's give it a Marco Hook. I agree with your assessment by the way, he did try to uh, steal it in the last 90 seconds and Cal Wee would not have let you steal anything in the last 90 seconds, the guy was lit where well, he called himself the buzzsaw, didn't he? Is it Camden buzzsaw I think he was called Camden
1: buzzsaw, Camden I buzzsaw I Camden buzzsaw Done time okay. in jail. This is, this is the other thing as well, as what, what, what I'm a big fan of, actually. These guys went into jail back in the day, 70s and stuff, and they took out the boxing program. They come back out like Benham Hopkins and they become pro fighters. And I think it needs to be introduced in prisons nowadays. And I'll go one further and say is it needs to be introduced into schools. Get some of these kids to get the fucking aggression and energy out of them, a wee bit, actually. So should go back they to doing that.
3: I'd co-sign that because there's a few lads I know behind the wall that could definitely do with that discipline because they're doing poor mm. life for crime, maybe. You know what I mean? Get them in a the ring or they're fucking going to haunt the taxpayer forever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. They used to do that. Maybe it's time. Something we should uh, revisit. Right, quarterfinal number two then. wrapping Rob Kelly. This is one for you. Uh, yeah, a couple of the names might be a little bit obscure. Well, the, one of the names in this quarterfinal number two definitely isn't obscure because it's Alexander Usik. How would oh. he get on? against a former van der Holyfield opponent and a world champion in his own right, Carlos de Leon. So we've got Alexander Usyk against Carlos de Leon.
3: Well, I'd be the first to admit, as much as a hardcore I am and as far back as my fucking boxing lifespan goes uh, as a 42-year-old, the Cruiserweights has never been my division until I came on this podcast. And it was mostly Patterson there that gave me the fucking England the to go check out the Cruiserweights because to me, it was never a glamour division you know, my favourite fighters growing up were like Duran, Leonard, Harnes, Hagler, going back, Robinson, Tyson. So, like, I always paid attention to, like, from the lightweights up and then kind of skipped and light heavyweight and skipped over cruiserweight because at the time, all the fucking gla- the glamour division was always heavyweight. I mean, Tyson was the fucking man when I started watching boxing. He was the man. And I know we've said it over the last couple of months, you can't, you're looking at him now, his popularity now, you can't, you can't compare him to any modern fighter. The hype around Mike Tyson. It was just unbelievable. And pre the internet as well. So like. That was where my attention was. So historically. I haven't paid attention to the cruiserweights as much. So to preface that. I'm going to give it to Usyk. Uh, just on technical ability. From but what I've seen. Of his opponent. Is very little. And from memory. I can't even remember a fight that he's been in. So I'm just giving that to Usyk. Off a of current form. And technical ability. I am going to say he finds a way. What I'd say about current fighters fighting former fighters, if you look back, me and Andy are old farm fans, right? So if you watch some of the old farm matches from the 60s or the 70s, they look like fucking bad kickabouts in the park, you know, compared to where the game is now. I don't think that translates for boxing. Um, I think that, you know, Andy mentioned 15-round fighters. You have to take that into consideration again against fellas who can, you know, you, you got to give, I always say, if you do these fantasy matchups, you have to give, the old fighters, the benefit of all today's nutrition and all today's training and they match their natural ability and their ability to go 15 grueling three-minute rounds. Again, you know, as 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 far as the game has come since then in terms of technique, you always have to give that fucking extra bit of spirit and extra bit of guts and pure fucking, you know, brutality to lads who can go 15 rounds. It's an it's an incredible feat. Like, and a lot of them weren't the same after having those 15-round fights. So you got to give those kind of... Um, benefits to to fan to all fighters when you're doing fantasy matchups, I think but if you really want to get like nerdy about it, but like I' gonna give it to Usik just on on technical ability to get through that one. No problem, Usik
0: goes through alongside dwight Mohamed carwe then um I'll go to quarter final four for Aussie. so Andy, you can have quarter final three. I've uh, changed my mind on one of these guys. It's not Tony Bellew, who is number one in our quarterfinal, number three, against Juan Carlos Gomez, Andy. Tony Bellew against Juan Carlos Gomez. I was, um, I'm just going to preface this quickly by saying, I always thought Gomez was a good fighter back in the day, but I've been revisiting his career lately, and he had 12 defences pretty much against uh, nobody. So maybe
1: the bomber would have a chance. This is the thing, that I, I've spoke to you about Gomez before, actually, and it's one of the fighters that I cannot recall much about. I mean, obviously, I remember the Kudryashoff knockout, he got fucking ice off a left hook. Yeah, um, he was blown I by them, wasn't he? He fought a ding man as well.
0: He schooled Sinan Samuel Sam up at heavyweight, but he had a run at cruiser of about 10 or 11 defences of the WBC title. And I remember him being a good fighter, big puncher. But like I said, yeah. I looked back before I did this, and he really didn't fight any names of any note.
1: Well, I remember Vlad, no Vlad, uh, Vitaly got a hold of him, smashed him up. He beat McCall as well, didn't he? And uh, mm. Dennis backed off, and uh, Adelson Rodriguez. But these guys have been over the course many times. Um, mm, how was his chin? I'm trying to remember. Was his chin like I me? Mean, obviously, I mean. If, if, a cruiser if, it was
0: sound, but well, I mean, against the likes of Vitali, he went like what nine or ten rounds, did he? So I mean, you got to, you know, he must have had a pretty decent chin to to go that long. He, with Sam as well, so I'd say it was okay.
1: Yeah, but he, he got done for doping as well, didn't he? No, there's no uh, yeah. issues with drugs and that as well, with cocaine and steroids, and he converted to Islam at one point as well. No, that's a fucking issue. Like, I'm just saying, it seems like there was a lot of. There was a lot of strife in the background. I mean mm. it wasn't I'm not talking about like Muslim he like joined the militant black Muslims or something like that. No like national Islam or stuff, but I think it was about militant side. Do you think he Tony it.
0: could have taken advantage of this?
1: Tony would have almost told to death, probably, you know. <laughs> you, know how, you know how Tony <laughs>
3: feels about that movement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um could be his motivation. <laughs> to be honest, I I I c I can't remember much about Gomez's career and the last abiding uh, memory is Kudryavshoff icing him. I'm going to say Bellew. Um, I'm going to say Bellew knocks him out.
3: Will you just leave him alone, Andy? What are you bringing him no, into the do. semi-final for? Just Gomez, just
1: Gomez, Gomez knocks him out. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Who are you going
1: for then? I'll go Bellew. Bellew? People Bellew. me
3: this. We'll never forget.
1: We'll never forget
0: good old Tony. Just put him up on the on the chat there. Just leave him alone. Here's
3: here's one before you go further. Sorry, Steve. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Marciano probably could have campaigned that cruiserweight. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's fellas who've been yeah. overtaking cruiserweights. Like when it was, he is. is, that, is that when shit was changes. Champion? Yeah, exactly. So so a lot of the heavyweight champions, Inga Mario Hansen, Floyd Patterson, these guys probably could have been cruiserweights. Anyway, sorry to fucking, it means nothing in this fucking no, no, you, tournament, but you know uh, I No, mean? you're right. You're what right, was Rocky Marciano? Thirteen Stone or something? Yeah, he was so. probably
0: going down to freaking Light Heavy or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I
3: agree. Yeah.
0: Okay. Final one then. Aussie is to you. Uh, former Tony Bellew victim going in against the guy who fought Carlos de Leon and also fought Dwight Mohamed Kauri. So we are going for quarterfinal number four between David Hay and Evander Holyfield. Prime for prime, David Hay, Evander Holyfield. Holyfield,
1: you've set that one up, Stevie.
0: Eh? Oh, you never know. Why what, what do you think Holyfield would be um, a favourite over the mighty Hay? I mean, Hay, you know, against Carl Thompson. He come back after that because
3: uh, he wasn't banging Rita Ora. <laughs> Holyfield. <laughs> <laughs> Either it was David Hay, by the way. I don't, I don't know where I'm getting that out of. Sorry, I was continual.
2: No, no, not at all. Look, hold you don't become you know like boxing's first undisputed cruiserweight champion by accident, for a start he was good. Um, Explosive, quick, uh, moved extremely well. Good bang as well, but ultimately had his flaws. Um, Holyfield, big fan of him. Extensive amateur record. I think Lennox Lewis came out, what, I think it was just about a month ago and said it was his toughest opponent. Not his toughest fight, but his toughest opponent. Um, I just think he'd have, I think he's just a too well-rounded, schooled fighter to beat essentially for David Hay I don't think it'd be a complete walkover and you know and a complete mismatch I just think Holyfield is the better boxer better fighter um and I think he'd he'd ultimately come through the fight not with relative ease but I don't I think he'd be relatively unscathed in the grand scheme of things in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think early on, first four or five rounds, probably Hay. The Hay that fought Mormec would have been dangerous with his right hand and speed, but Holyfield would have took over and gro- gro- ground him down as the fight progressed. Right, let's go into the quarterfinals Then the second quarter, uh, sorry, semifinals. Second semifinal doesn't look too uh, appealing. But the first one, wrapping Rob Kelly, does Dwight Mohamed Kawi against Alexander Usyk. Let's see if we're going to have the final that we all expect. Kauri Usyk.
3: Tough one. Tough one. The way Cowie could go to the trenches, you give him uh, a shot in any fight. Then again, if you take it 15 rounds, Alexander, proficient amateur, has he done the long distance enough to hang with Cowie over 15 rounds? I would say you could give that to Cowie on a 15-round decision, but Usyk to me so far, has shown so little chinks in the armour. I mean, apart from the fact that uh, the fact that maybe he's a slow starter, but by the sixth round, man, he's firing. And I think it was Bredis gave him some trouble, but I think he would find a way to win, so I'm going to go con- maybe controversially uh, with Ousek on this one.
0: No, that's good because you could have set up potentially a Holyfield versus Carwe final there which would have been a bit of a a lame duck, Rob considering we actually saw the fight
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were a slight (laughs) anti-climax
0: Rob keeping us on hooks there Well, you never know Aussie. second semi-final I mean, we've got the bomb I never write him off against Evander Holyfield Holyfield got past Hay as far as you're concerned but you never know Bellew against Holyfield what are you going for?
1: Come on, Oz (laughs) (laughs) Deep pressure
0: he got he got past David Herty
2: and he steamrolls past Tony Bellew quite comfortably. Um look look, I know Bellew won a world title up at Cruiserweight. Um and then look his defences after that were um embarrassing to be honest. Win over night was decent, a solid European level, but in reality, um he has no business being in this tournament whatsoever. There's far better cruiserweights uh, going around. And I think Holyfield would have smashed him to pieces, to be honest. Let's um, say, look, belt—he's no mug Bell. He can box. His his boxing ability is actually underrated. His his fundamentals are quite good. Um, but I think he'd, I think he'd, I think he'd get knocked out. We've seen him before, you know, when he's against the bigger punch. I think he'd get knocked out. In uh, it, I'm talking Usyk style knocked out as well, where Edwards rushing to his aid, propping up his head, that sort of thing. So yeah it's um, pretty much a walk over this. I, I think it'd be quite early as well.
0: Absolutely. We have the final that we all expected then, Andy. If he cruiserly. got beat to
3: the SAS, just parachuted into the ring like the fan man. Oh, <laughs> no, the fan man. <laughs> <laughs> Get stuck in
0: the ropes and all as batter him.
1: <laughs> the SAS coming in with the fucking para- paragliders fucking shooting people and that, uh. you know, amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the thing that always gets me about that. The poor old fan man Rob got an absolute
3: beating once. Then Boyo started caving his head in. Yeah, he was just <laughs> wanting to fucking—he was just wanting to fucking have some fun. And fellas were like, "You're interrupting to the rematch? You fucking selfish <laughs> bastard! You'll see row know, ten in the first one. You're fucking pricking out
0: of here." <laughs> oh, classic times, yeah. But Holyfield versus Bo, 2. Right, talking to Holyfield then, Andy. Holyfield against Usyk in the final. Oh. We've talked about this in the past. Gonna have to put you on this one. The boys can chime in as well. But well, go ahead, you start.
1: Ugh, I don't know, I mean, obviously he's no, usually he's one of my, as is, is my guy, uh, Holyfield's fucking legendary, isn't he? I mean, he made the Cruiserweight division, and uh, um, even back then, when when he made it, made it his own, it was it was the division that was respected, still, even afterwards, it's, it's always been a division that's a, a hardcore division, and over the course of the last 20 years, probably, we've had some fantastic fights. Um I'm gonna go with Holyfield uh, and purely because I've never seen Uzick get dragged into the trenches as such as to where Holyfield's been to. You know, take the Cal Wee fight for example. After that fight, it was so warm. This is Atlanta, Georgia, by the way, but it's like fucking tropical weather. Height of summer, July time. And Holyfield goes to shiver after the fight, and he collapses. He has lost sixteen pounds in residue, muscle residue, uh, sixteen pounds in weight through dehydration. He thought he was pissing blood because of the kidney punches, but it was actual muscle residue that he was pissing out. Um, after the IV, he'd entered uh, left the hospital, something like one hundred and ninety-five pounds at that time. I think Holyfield with this stuff warmed him down in the end, and what we've seen with Holyfield as well as a heavyweight is just you know, the real deal—the
3: warrior, unbelievable. Think, you'd have to, you'd have to give it to him. I, I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't it, prime for prime, you'd have to give it to him. I mean, you've like, got to. You, and there's, there's about one thing, who... there's one thing I don't think usually
1: likes, and it's uh, the attack to the body. He doesn't like it to the body.
3: And, um. And, You've got to give it to Holyfield in terms of timing. And you have to say that, that, I mean, bigger guys couldn't fucking knock him out or hurt him. And when he was even shot and passed it, the WBA had to have an investigation into him fighting that big fucking giant that Hay beat for the title because he clearly beat the fuck out of him when he was like fucking 50 years of age. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? He just, he just had it. The only one that kind of exposed him was Tony. But Tony was Tony, you know what I mean. He could counter punch him. Could Usyk do that to the same degree that he actually out outboxes him? And you're talking about Holyfield's timing. Look at him against Tyson. Tyson one two move the head bang, and even against Lennox, he closes distance. So you'd have to imagine that he'd be able to close distance on Usyk and stopping him doing what he does. Like so, yeah, I I agree with that. Like I'd have to say Holyfield the greatest cruiserweight of all.
0: Yeah, I would say Holyfield as well, but it'd be a be a tight fight it be a tight fight uh, no controversy Rob says Arlene Burley Usyk top of the tree forgot the romance of Evander uh, Bradis dragged Usyk into his fight early says MB maybe Holyfield could do and expose that as well Sam Shepard says Bradis won five rounds against Usyk yeah I think the boys are in agreement there there's our cruiserweight winner then Evander Holyfield joins the heavyweight winner which was Larry Holmes Surprisingly enough, we'll go on to the light heavyweights naturally next week or the week after. Before we go on to belly of the Weeks then, boys, let's close it out. Last week, we talked about a fight that we're going to talk about. I know there's a few raging, there's a bit of raging going on, Andy. We'll get to you first, shall we? Uh The first fight between George Groves and Carl Frotch. One of the things that struck me was I couldn't believe it was in 2013, man, seven years ago. Where the hell's the time going?
1: Yeah, uh, daughter was born that same year. Um, fucking incredible. I remember uh, getting home for the rematch. I used to be spent all day at a barbecue, beautiful sunshine, getting absolutely rat-arsed, and then I said to the wife, we need to go. Why? Fucking boxing started soon. So <laughs> uh, I had to go home and uh, Yeah, but the first fight, um, one of the things I always remember about this fight was 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 the pre-fight press conference. And George Groves told Carol Froch, here's what I'm going to do to you. And Froch is like, "Yeah, fuck off." I'm an international superstar. By the way, this is my trainer, Robert McCracken, MBE. Um, I, I think I want to believe there's an element of Froch took this fight lightly because he'd been through the super series. Um, he'd been hurt numerous times uh, in the super series as well, and um, coming into the George Grove, which was a mandatory defence, I think, for the IBF title. I think Groves had fought himself into the contention for it. Um, so part of me thinks that he took it he took it lightly, and um, when the fight started, actually I'm like fucking hell. He's on the back foot, and Groves is pinging the jab and stuff. And then he steps. He just, he, he 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 must have known that he was losing that first round. The frotch been frotch. He hasn't known to be fighting on the back foot, especially against like a non-escrimp novice, so to speak, against like George Groves. So what does he do? He steps forward. And then Groves pins that straight right hand, and Froch is fucking sparkled, spark. I don't care what anybody says, he was sparked out as he was going down in the sand. He hit the fucking deck. He woke up. And he gets up, I'm like bastards. And I've got to say about the scorecards as well. The scorecards that that fight were disgraceful. I thought Groves was pissing the fight easily at the park. I mean, 76-75 is just disgraceful. Uh, I think it was twice actually as well, but. um you could you could see Groves, uh, you know, basically wearing down as as is working the working the body. Probably Groves is trying to work the head and stuff. Maybe it's just experience at the end of the day that told in the end. Um, I suppose Eddie Hearn and I'm going to um, what I'm saying here is is is, is factual because Eddie Kugan uh, was on the podcast not long after this fucking fight after the rematch, sorry, and he he stated that Eddie got fucking lucky with the rematch. Because the stoppage was fucking bullshit, right? And it's one of the moments I have not, there's only twice in my life I can recall waking up in the morning being angry at a, at a result. One of them was Alexander against uh, Katelnick, believe it or no. But uh, this one was one of them. I woke up on a Sunday morning fucking looking at the ceiling like, that. Yeah, I can't believe this has happened. Went back downstairs, watched the fight, still can I see or justify why that fight should have been stopped so fast forward many years later I'm sitting ringside for Josh Taylor against uh, O'Hara Davis and in between undercard fights I see uh, the very man himself Howard, uh, what's his name? Howard Foster so I goes over introduce myself, sits next to him ta- chatting about the undercard and fights and stuff and then I hit him with a question I says Howard tell me about the stoppage uh, with Groves against Frotch, he says, what did did you see that caused you to stop that fight, tell me he says mate his eyes, he says when that right hand landed, his eyes were rolling over his head, he says by that point I knew he was done I says well why not just let him get knocked out or just let him take another shot he says look, he was done in my opinion he was done and I stopped the fight it's my decision at the end of the day and I am the sole arbitrator, that was his justification and that is it in the, the days. He is the man in the middle, and I say to you guys as well. He has got a better vantage point, and if he says that Groves' eyes went and he could, you could see Groves kind of falling into him as well at the same time. Who am I to judge? You know, I I can still be angry at it and stuff like that. And I've asked the man himself. He says it was it was yeah he was gone, but at the same time. Frotch knew he took the fight lightly because of as I say this beforehand as well, as there was a it was an interview with Coogan after the fight, directly after the fight, and Frotch is standing in, in, in the doorway, the changing room. And Coogan says to him, That was the best fight I've ever seen live. And Frotch's eyes are like fucking saucers, man. He's like, Really? Is that the best fight I've ever seen live? Concussed to fuck. Yeah. You know, and as Ozzy would probably, I mentioned as well, he, when he got knocked, he can't, he can't even remember getting knocked down in the fucking fight. That tells you the fuckish, you know, the artillery that fucking Groves is hitting him with. Right hands and jabs. He was getting outboxed, outmanoeuvred. And somehow he dug it out. Fair play to him. But uh, it still rankles me because I wanted him to get beat for watch. I wanted to see him get beat. And for seven rounds of that fight, he was getting told. He was really getting told. And uh, as I say, with that stoppage, whilst it was controversial to us and to people who watched it, um, it was uh, what made Eddie Hearn, he got so fucking lucky with that fight, that he got Wembley Arena, Wembley Stadium, sorry, 80,000 people, and uh, he rode it all the way. And Coogan was on, as I say, he was on the podcast, and he says they got really fucking lucky with that stoppage, and Eddie's never looked back ever since then, but yeah, it's one of the fights, always fucking, oh, the aftermath of it, it's just incredible, because, uh, I, I can't remember if I backed Groves in the first fight, but I was backing him in the second fight, and the second fight was a fucking absolute letdown, uh, tactical, back foot, kg fight, um, I I don't think Groves really trusted his stamina in that rematch, actually, to be honest with you. He was reluctant so, to, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I suppose because Froch, and again, especially in the first fight, Froch, Froch's uh, reputation its a hard man. Because you, you need to remember he'd been hurt badly against Kessler twice in both fights. Dropped against Taylor. Ward schooled him and hurt him. He backed him up with one hand. Um, he looked like a demolition man in his booty. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's just one of the fights that just. Uh, oh, honestly, God! But yeah, no. Fair, <laughs> f- f- no. I go to get the frotch. I mean, he badly hurt. He's fucking swatting flies the whole fight, and he pulls it out, out the bag. And I've got, I've got. Listen, I asked him, what can, what, what more can I do as a fan than ask the guy who was in the middle, why did you stop the fight? And I wonder, was going might be a dick to the guy? I asked him straight up. And I questioned him back and he says, listen, here's my opinion, here's what I saw. I didn't see that, but he saw it and he's like fucking three feet away.
3: So that's the thing. I think that's the thing. I think I think you're dead right. Like in retrospect, I think we were all raging at the time because of Frotch's persona. Like, I mean, I would never take anything away from Carl Frotch as a fighter. You're looking at a guy that is fucking granite. Jean Pascal wins. Jermaine Taylor wins. All right, you can say the fucking schooled him, and he didn't get it. He got a, he might have got a lucky one there. Andrew Ward beat the shit out of him, but and Kessler beat him. But wins the rematch against Kessler, blows Butte away. He's granite, like he is absolute granite. But I always thought fellas with good fun- fundamentals would give him trouble because of his lack of him being able to get. He had a good jab, but his lack of being able to get on a jab and use it as a tool. And use it as a defensive maneuver. I thought he would get exposed against the lines of at hopper One of them where they would just fucking stick the jab in his fucking nut all night. And I thought Groves was going to do something similar to Ward against him, but obviously he's nowhere near Andre Ward. But I remember my mate Andy's talking about the backdrop to it. I remember I was just just got with a woman and we were moving in Dennis Carty, and one of my mates, Boo Hor, he won four Junior All Irelands. Uh, and he's a boxing coach for the for the CBS. And he rang me to go to the local. I was like, no, nah. and he was he's a big gambler, like loves of loves of flutter. Like so he was like, I'm after backing fucking Frotch for the knockout. And I was like, I don't know, man. I think I think Rose is gonna get to him. Like he just stopped Glenn Johnson, although Glenn Johnson wasn't Glenn Johnson, but he's still stopping Glenn Johnson was a statement for me that he could actually punch like and I thought a guy with better technical ability had proved me wrong against um Chunky earlier in his career where I thought he'd lose and uh, back the gale all the way and and, and exposed him. So I, just, I, get, I had confidence in him. But looking back on it, he did the he either did the weight wrong or he did the rounds wrong in that he expended way too much energy in the middle rounds where he could have been cruising because it was the fourth round by the time Carl Frotch came to, by the way. He fucking didn't know where he was. That was such a heavy knockdown. And the fact that he psychologically, what was unfolding in the fight was Groves had been in his head throughout the whole build-up. Rubik's cubing it, fucking, you know, just playing with him, nearly making him cry on Sky TV. Absolutely massive fight, making himself a bigger superstar in the in the build-up. Totally living in Frotch's head, and then he goes out and fulfills the prophecy of dropping him with a right hand in the first round. Frotch must have been thinking, what the fuck, man? Like, I can't come back from this. But you got to give him massive, massive credit for coming back into the fight. And I think Groves was intr- instrumental in his own downfall, in that he gassed a little bit, and definitely the signs were there, dude. I mean, looking back even a day or two after for me, I was looking at it, I was thinking, man, ah, he's being honest with myself, he's gone. Like, he's gone. Frotch had hit him with a fucking rocket of a right hand. It shook him to his core. As Andy said, he leans over. His eyes are all over the gaff. I don't know. Like, I I think it was controversial at the time. You you maybe think because he had put in such a good performance up to then, you give him the benefit to get stopped. But, like, the referees uh, said, like fuck me, like, you don't want to, we've seen so much even in the last year, like, the refs are fucking you know, when they should have stopped fights, and look what happened, like, and even in in cases where they stopped it on time, look what happened, so Groves, I think he was probably lucky in that there was so much controversy about it it allowed him to get that big payday for the next fight, and Eddie as well, and it's like, fucking they created a monster, nobody wants to see Coogan no more, they want Eddie, he's chopped liver, uh, but I would say, fucking um, yeah, in retrospect, I think it was it was probably a fair stoppage.
0: a quick word from you. Uh, the boys have already said it in the chat, but um, it's fair to say that. I think Frotch treated Groves with disdain, like he didn't belong in the same ring as him. He was looking down on him almost.
2: Correct. Yeah, it, it was a typical, um, you're a mandatory, you don't deserve to be there type of thing. Um, and and Frotch simply thought he was better than him. Um he, he had no respect for Groves, didn't feel he felt he was better in every aspect, he couldn't do anything. And and how the tides turned at the end of round one. Um Fr- Froch was gone at the end of that round. And and I stay 30 seconds longer and he would have been out of there because his legs were gone. If you watch it back and you the way he gets up, he stumbles back into those ropes. Those ropes keep him up. Um his eyes roll and things. I mean, Howard Foster talked about Groves, his eyes rolling. Um, on the replay, Frotch's eyes go, you can't fucking see his eyeballs because they're on the fucking top of his head. He's completely gone. Um, and Rob's right, it was, I think it was round four. And um I, I mean, I Groves pissing it, absolutely pissing it. In, and the cards are forgotten because it was, um, for, for me, I still think it was a bad stoppage despite hearing what Foster said. Naturally, he has a duty of care and things like that but I just watched it back again. And I, I feel like it could have gone on that fraction longer. Um, Groves was certainly buzzed, but um, but prior to that, I think Froch's reputation got him through a lot. Round six, I think Froch took probably eight and nine huge power punches in a row. No defence, nothing whatsoever, and there was no luck whatsoever from Foster or anything. was the case of carry on, go for it. Uh, probably one I said it before, uh, off the pod. Probably one of Groves' his best performances his career, and he got beat because he surprised a hell of a lot of people who wrote him off and, and agreed with Frotch that he had no business being in there. Um, certainly a victim of his own downfall in terms of a bit young, and I think it was round six from where he, he dominated absolutely dominated. Um, and he just got a bit cocky, he dropped his gloves, didn't he, just to try and. Bring frotch on, you know, just to see if he could time him with that right hand again and got caught towards the end. Um, I think he had round seven off pretty much, and obviously round eight was when it was stopped. Uh, but but no, it, it, it's one of them. It's a fight that will a hell of a lot. I remember being in a boozer that night watching it with all sorts of people, and it fucked me off because I had back Groves that night and had 20 quid on him, uh, got a good price as well. And when he got dropped in the first frotch, I thought, fucking hell, quids in. Um, but it's one of them. You, you've, got to, you've got to credit Frotch to an extent from where he came back. He battled through. I still feel, um, in terms of he, he was favoured with a favourable stoppage. Ten seconds later, he may well have gone and knocked him out, but we'll never know. Um, and without that dodgy stoppage, as we've said, we would never have seen the rematch. Uh, and it probably was the making of Matroom, really. Uh, as Andy said, eighty thousand at Wembley, things like that, huge storyline. Um, no fake beef. It was all issue. It was all. Um, it was all. What's it called? It was
0: all fair. It was all true. A little uh, push and pull around on the cobbles. Yeah, like yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was all true. And and Groves. And the and the rematch was mandated by the way, so he had to take it. Remember, was, Frost didn't want to take the rematch. Yeah,
2: it was. Yeah, and Groves turned down. Groves turned down an offer. Just because he wanted to be, um, he wanted Froch to have no, basically no say. So he rejected an offer and I think came out purse wise with a fraction less money, but he wanted it. So it was a mandatory and not a, not a voluntary because he knew Roch wasn't keen on the
1: rematch. I see I see Shep in the in the chat saying, you know, if roles were reversed, you know, the fight would have been you know, fight would have been stopped, or wouldn't have been stopped, whatever it was. The thing is, Frotch was known to be tough. Think it's always good reputation. You well, know, he was mm. given a lot of fucking platitude. Fucking Ma- uh, uh, Matthew Sad Muhammad, Ali, they're all given you know Frazier, they're all given great latitude because they were known to take the punishment and Ray Mancini you know they're all known to take the punishment they're always known to come back join Tappe is another one you know it's just again the <laughs> reputation the fighter comes you know, precedes him basically
2: point. it's a fair point because what what reputation did George Groves had? none because Kenny Anderson
1: what well, that's that thing is but Kenny Anderson you know, I think Groves had fought De Gale and Paul Smith and then he fought some, maybe two or three fringe bum fighters and stuff. And then he got the title fight against against Froch. So mm. uh, to me, again, listening to Froch, uh, I can remember it as well as, you know, and obviously with Grove's going on, I still maintain that he took him lightly. Froch took him lightly. And then you've got, uh, and how I justify that is by saying is that Grove's told him, what I'm going to do to you. And Froch is like, no, you're not. This is my trainer, Robert McCracken, MBE you know, I'm like, what the mm-hmm. fuck, I'm an actual superstar, like, he's, he's just and then he goes jabs him, puts him in the back foot, right hands him right, okay, Frotch, he's done it exactly what he just says to you, he's just done it, what are you gotta do But it, he does nothing he backs off, he's like I'm losing the round here, fuck it, I better step in, he tries, he steps forward, a Fro- eh, Groves takes a step back, right hand, doing the pike boom, Great.
3: Great he's like shot. fuck Beautiful hell shot
1: for I maintained. by the way, it was, it's okay, it's no domestic fight and the options after the Groves rematch. Did Groves take out the best of him or the last of him in the first fight? Because he was, as I say, he can cost. If,
3: if he did, I don't, I even uh, as much as a prick is kind of fraud, it's like, I, he is a fucking muppet. Like, we could have a fraud in a week for every belly in a week, really. Uh, the Ryanair flight being the epitome of him. But, like, his career is fucking unbelievable, man. I mean, like, yeah. like I think there's a reason Kazagi and like looking back at way why would the fuck would he want to fight like No, a no lose, a no win situation for him. Like, if he beats him, so what? Who's Kharfahsic at that point? And if he loses, is taken away his undefeated record. So I wouldn't have fucking pro- you know he was looking for big paydays. I don't begrudge him yeah. not giving Kharfahsic the opportunity, but. You know, Francis was fucking probably one of the best British super middleweights. Is he the best British super middleweight of all time? No, like he's fucking. No, he's, he's number there, three. Like, he's number three. He's up there. He's definitely up there. But I'd uh, say his, his, res- I'd say his resume stands who? up against. Game, ben? I, I, I I'd say Kazagi may be ahead of him, but Ben. Yeah, I don't. I think no, his resume. Ben. I think Francis. McClellan,
1: McClellan beats well, everything. McClellan, yeah. McClellan yeah, beats yeah, yeah, everything. I don't. I don't. give a fuck about you know. You know, oh, he was brain damaged.
3: No, no, McClellan would. would into that a fight, would a, would a Ben was getting out.
1: Ben was getting crucified and liquefied in the same fucking round. By the way, so didn't didn't give me. A, I, I'm saying Ben, Ben McClellan beats fucking everything.
3: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, do you know what? I'd, I'd almost forgotten the McClellan fight when I said that. I'd probably, yeah, but he's up there. Like I said, he's in the argument. I don't think he'd any fucking, um, if he'd have retired after Frotch one, you might have, or after Groves one rather, you wouldn't have even begrudged him. Like he had a fucking incredible career for a fucking guy who's yeah. an absolute novice. He was granted as a fighter, like over I mean, overcoming the odds times against like Jermaine Taylor and that guy, he's never given up like he's always coming like and even so he's so far behind in the gross fact, he's coming for you, like he's coming still. The only one that was able to fucking completely defuse him was Andrew Ward, and Andrew Ward was Andre The run
0: the runner fighters as well, one after another after another after another
3: that he yeah, went ex- on. Exactly. And you know, completely exposed Bute. You know, Butay been protected up to that point, been fucking the beneficiary of fucking extremely dodgy fucking referee and fucking behaviour oh, and he obliterated him absolutely obliterated him you know uh, Durrell gave him I, th- I think Durrell probably edged that fight I would say he-, he was robbed that night Like, but it depends what you like again you know in Nottingham he's not well, going to get that one but well, Rob, if you put one fight maybe them, on your whole career One fifty, one thirty. 130 Durrell what, yeah, put you, like you, one fight on your whole you know what I mean one fight like that yeah he took yeah. on Pascal when Pascal was fucking considered yeah that was a great pilot.
0: win of Pascal that
3: one absolutely fucking stuck it to him like for the whole fight so I as much as I criticise Froch's persona I have to give it yeah. to him as a fighter hey, can I, I say with something that. I agree
1: with I, 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 if you want to move on for this deal I don't know but um just to say as everybody knows I'm not a Carl Froch fan but I was there the night he beat Booty if this was fucking rampacked right and um I did. I saw myself. This is a fucking pure fight fan, up on my feet, roaring like fuck as he's laying the business on fucking booty. I mean, that fifth round was just chaos. Man, it was fucking bedlam. Yeah. I've got Romanians standing next to me at ringside, and I'm like, "Apologies, by a I said, "But what a fight!" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah." And they were they, were, they, were, they were petrified, but like, what the fuck, man? It's just, it was a fucking bear pit in there. And Ray Leonard come. Ray Leonard walked I, I, to the, yeah. the ring as well before the fight.
2: Yeah, I remember Boot's head just snapping back. Um fuck me after a big right handy. I mean, t- I'll tell you what. Frotch could have been because do you remember Eddie Hearn stormed the ring? Yeah, yeah. Could, could have been there. Yeah, I mean, look, it very, very rarely happened.
1: Big risk uh, for her yeah. that night, by the way. Uh, that was a pay-per-view fight. They paid Booty fucking millions. Yeah. Frotch took a big fucking for what I was told, a big no, back end.
2: I, I, that wasn't pay-per-view, that
1: no, it was with no, regular it sky. Wasn't. It was, uh, it was play, regular yeah. sky. It was the yeah. last it was the popular oh, one of the, the last world title for regular sky.
0: Yeah.
1: They paid Booty millions for that fight. Yeah. It was a big they had two risk. to
0: get him out of Canada, didn't they? they? Because he wouldn't leave. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean he was making fortunes at the Romanian television and Canadian television, big name French speaking Canada as well. So yeah, he was he was a bit it was it was a big it was, it was a big, uh, big draw back in the
3: day. I remember a girl that was in my, one of my videos and actually Ushin Fagan was in it and she was from Romania and she looked like Mila Kunis and she was a big Boute fan. And so was I at the time, obviously. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, Butte can be. You're shameless. <laughs> 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 right,
0: boys, thanks very much. I'm gonna fight for next week. So we'll leave it. Maybe come up with something during the week. Who knows? It's going to Belly of the weeks. Episode, what are we on again? 371. Rob Kelly's with us, Andy Patterson, and Ozzy Smith. Not as many this week, obviously. Things are starting to wind down. No boxing on. Uh, Mojo Perry is the first nomination. He's going on about Carl Frotch, but he accidentally tagged in Carl Frampton by mistake. At Carl Frampton, you keep talking about Calzaghi, but you never m- once mentioned fighting Krusha Kovalev when he was on. You were scared and retired. Accept your second, Joe <laughs> you know, Kalzagi, Come out and fight Baturbia if you feel like you're so good. Imagine
3: right Frampton want to fight Kovalev. I know, yeah, sake. exactly. Could you imagine? <laughs> Brutal.
0: Uh, Amir Khan is back on it again this week Together we will knock out hashtag corona Hashtag COVID-19 Then Amir threw in one of his little cartoons Knocking out some kind of green monster And shout out to whoever it was on the Facebook page I didn't get your name, I think it was Matt something, sorry He put up a picture of the monster over Canelo's head With Khan lying on the canvas So I thought that was quite a good one But Amir Khan, the gift that keeps on giving uh, Ted Barrett has nominated Belly of the Week for Eddie Hearn If you don't like a Tony Bellier, you're not a proper person Says uh, Eddie also, nomination for <laughs> Dillian White. Well, I mean, you know, leave, leave him alone, Rob.
3: <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> right, well, we guess we're not proper people then. We don't know Tony tell you're not a proper person. Oh, for fuck's sake.
0: Good old tone. Uh, Ted's also nominated Dillian White for calling Andy Ruiz out on Twitter. We offered you five million, he said, then sent proof of an email, only offering four million. Ted says there's enough <laughs> for th- for th- For 30 nominations in that IFL interview alone. (laughs) Uh, For
3: fuck's sake. Uh,
0: The boys are at it. Uh, Here's one, Andy, that came in for me and you from Marcus Bellinger, former guest on the pod. Belly of the week for Tyler Goodjohn. Fair play, he's found himself a new career. (laughs) Check out his timeline.
1: (laughs) He's some man, isn't he? Oh, he's boys deep every night, man.
3: (laughs) He's seamlessly getting the booty He's the boogie, engaged there uh, now. Yeah, leaked. And he doesn't care, man. He just doesn't give a fuck, does he, So Listen, I, mean,
1: I, I, yeah. listen, it, I don't know. Like, I mean, it, take, it takes a special person All allow your missus to go and get trained by somebody who's <laughs> fucking 12-inch girth from
3: that, you know. <laughs> Didn't he say to some fella, hey, mate, don't call her a slut, that's my wife. Oh, that was <laughs> analysed boxing. Yeah, yeah, that's another story oh, in itself. Well, I've, got, I've got a question. But,
1: does he touch his eyes, do you think?
3: <laughs> I don't know, but as a fellow once said to me, get in where you fit in. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bit of advice on a Sunday night from Rappin' Bob Kelly there. And Moving on, Ozzy. You mentioned this earlier. Marius Wack against Kevin Kingpin Johnson. You've had a, a chance to think about it now. Uh, pay-per-view is calling. A couple of quid, Ozzy, ready to lay down. Belly of the week. These haters are nominating this for.
2: Well, I'm ordered it. Um, I, I just couldn't refrain myself. Two quid, bargain of the year to see two uh, stalwarts of the heavyweight division.
0: Whack against Johnson. Dave Lee will be all over it, no doubt. Uh, cocaine Dawkins has nominated the great man himself, Tony Bellew, talking to The Sun, or being quoted in The Sun anyway. Tony Bellew considers stepping out of retirement to make a fool out of former heavyweight champion Andy Ruiz Jr. Tony back in the papers. Uh, Keith Thurman and Adrian Broner having a bit of beef back and forward. No doubt the PBC are trying to set this fight up. Thurman responded to Broner, who said he would knock Thurman out in two rounds. Broner ends me in two rounds. Oh my gosh. AB doesn't end his grandma in two rounds. He doesn't throw hands. He doesn't throw two punches in two rounds. Okay. He throws two punches in like four rounds, says Keith Thurman. So going in on I AB don't know. There.
3: I don't know about that, Keith, because he has farm form against grandmother's son.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be the same without AB getting nominated. Uh, Daniel O'Reilly... He's getting on the Mike Tyson hype train. He's been nominated by SD7. Uh, Mike was doing the pads at 53 years old
1: Oh, I didn't mention this. Yeah, Andy.
0: Power on it. Best heavyweight of all time, says Daniel O'Reilly and would still take your head clean off with every shot. I liked, I think it was Jake at Tugboat who put up um, the last time we saw well, Tyson. It was 15 years ago, quitting against uh, Kevin McBride.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I actually responded to that tweet, right? And it was a, it was by a GIF for the... Oh, what's the, what's the guy's name? Jose, uh, who's the, what was the fucking guy? Maybe, uh, that massive uppercut that he landed. The guy, he went 10 rounds a boy anyway. And, oh, um, Jose Ribalta. Jose uh, Ribalta, that's who was. So I, I responded to Mike's fucking tweet, just with that, that gif, with that not uh, with that uppercut, and the boy actually got up and fought like six rounds, whatever it was. And off that, uh, I've had 4,000 likes and 500 something more fucking <laughs> that My phone just never stopped all weekend, man. So an L for that was me, they really, like, and ill for me, that, but uh, but can you imagine walking, breaking into his house and no fucking noticing him? <laughs> that is what you're gonna get met with by the way. Iced, oh, body that,
3: organs fucked. That was the night he, uh, the woman that lived with Customado who, when you were a child, you naively believed was Customado's wife. <laughs> uh, that was. That was, <laughs> that was <laughs> <laughs> That was the night uh, he said about, they said, hey, Mike, were you satisfied with the stoppage? And he was like, no, I wanted to push his nose up into his brain. <laughs> There's a part where you could hit his nose and it would drive it up into his brain and render him dead. I wanted to hit him with an uppercut to end his life. And she uh, fell out with him and said he should be saying that. Like, so he, oh, was uh, that
0: the Balto, he
1: said? That was a change, mate. That was, I remember that, eh? Yeah, yeah. Very early like, change in Mike Tyson, that one, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Listen, hey Rob, do you do you listen to his podcast these this.
3: Yeah, he's on, he's on fire he's actually,
1: man, isn't he? He's actually good, eh? he had fucking, um, who was the mafia guy, Michael Franzese, he was really good Now he's he's all he he's had, connected um, like.
3: He had Eminem on it, and Eminem was talking yeah, about um, a cronk guy schooling him at 14, he's but a, I remember Manny said... On as well. But Man, uh, Manny told me that. Man- fucking- he said that he's got a good life too coup partly shit. Eh? Yeah, no, Manny told me he could fight. Like he said by the end of the time he was training him he would have been able to get in with like a top twenty welterweight, like and, and hang like he was fucking he said he was very good. He wasn't giving himself credit on the pod, but that's just the mm. way he is. But um he said, Yeah, he could definitely fight. Like he had to bring it out of him. He said, But you know, if you're going to the crunk, you're gonna fucking that's all it is like. It's a couple of rounds of skipping, a couple of rounds on the bag and the rest of sparring, like, so you're gonna learn on the job, you know what I mean? You can either hang or you can't hang like Aye. no, i sure
0: that, they could have put him into one of those celebrity matches with freaking KFC and that other chap. You know, well, he... I,
3: who said he'd knock out Tyson with a couple of left <laughs> okay, Well, I, I, I,
1: hey, Rob, was it Eminem it said, or was it that was it Tyson had said that he'd been told that his left hook was pretty good, as in talking about shady.
3: Yeah, and then he, he he went on to kind of de- degradate him or degradate himself a little bit, like when he was like or degrade himself when he's like, yeah, oh, this kid beat the shit out of me and a new boxer wasn't for me but according to Manny anyway that's what he told me he said he was very good good left hook and could have could have hung with in, in his weight division in the top 20 by the time he finished training with him but they say that about a couple of fighters and they say McGuigan said that about Daniel Day-Lewis for one of his roles that he he trained so hard that he could have hung and uh, other people said that about De Niro when he prepared for La oh, I Barry says, went says, in and
0: trained Freddie Flintoff he kept <laughs> his words to the bank <laughs> yeah, exactly
3: yeah <right>, <laughs> You say Lamar, say Robert De Niro could have beaten waves at anyway division <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Uh nomination then for Daniel O'Reilly. Moving on, Andy, Michael Hunter saying he would fuck up Tyson Fury. Uh Hunter yeah. wants that uh that payday.
1: Yeah, he's wanting all that smoke. Um well, the problem is he's gonna meet in the fucking furnace. Come on, oh, I've tried, I, mean, I watched six rounds of the Povetkin fight before I switched it off, and I'm right in saying that he kind of laboured. I mean, Fury on that fucking weather. You know, you're only good as your last fight, basically. So Hunter was shite in his last fight, and Fury was awesome. So I can only go that Fury's mm. going to absolutely waste him. So we'll just leave it at that.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Reverend Derek Gemstone has nominated... I, I forgot to screenshot the girl's name, but we were doing The Perfect Fighter the other week. You know, jab, pick a jab, and uppercut, a chin and that. Anyway, Sky got on board and they did their own version of The Perfect Fighter. And um, the Reverend Derek uh, screenshotted this young lady anyway. So for footwork, she had Vassal Lomachenko, Speed, Pacquiao, Power, Tyson, Body Punching, Josh Warrington, Stamina, Muhammad Ali, Uppercut, Canelo, Left Hook, Loma again, Roy right Tuck, Morales, Jab, Mikey Garcia, Defence, Triple G, Chin, Canelo. Yeah, it's going on quite well. Reflexes, John O'Carroll. <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> she's good to be Irish. She's it's, good to be Irish.
0: I forgot to screenshot her face and name, like, but yeah, John Please O'Carroll.
1: Please
3: tell me she's Irish. She's good <laughs> to be Who put that fall together, John O'Carroll? <laughs> I, Look,
2: I, like, I like Josh Warrington as well, but I would never pick him to be <laughs> like as a body punch. <laughs>
1: Well, that yeah. two
2: obscure picks. I like Warrington, good fighter.
1: Yeah, there's something if, off there, eh?
2: If we're picking like a, a perfect fighter, the names Warrington and Carroll don't come anywhere near it.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Off. It's not best beard, asshole, it's best reflexes.
1: <laughs> right, listen, anybody listening to us right now, I want you to find out the Twitter account that sent that and I want you to find out, A, well, primarily, Irish...
0: Oh, we'll have a look. See if you can find out, boys. As That's I move cool, on, me. yeah. One of the weeks, I know Lee, the al- alcoholic fudge, put it in a couple of weeks ago. We're going to do the worst fighter. So the fighter, we're going to put it together a, per- a perfect, imperfect fighter with all the worst attributes. So, you all know, right, like the worst just, at taking it thing. to the body, worst chin, least heart, worst stamina.
2: Can we not just say
0: Robin D? <laughs> <laughs> Good old Robin. Right, boys, moving on. Uh, Gavin Stevens has nominated uh, Regis Progray. Regis tweeted out, I went on vacation in Mexico two weeks ago and I got conned into buying a timeshare. I yes. put 13 grand down and pay $694 monthly. I never got to use it. Every time I call and try to schedule something, it's not available. They fuck me raw with no lube on. Yes. I need to cancel that.
4: <laughs> love
1: it. I absolutely love it. because See this guy, baby. This guy is a black 80 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a black Eddie haired because she,
3: is he she, black? is he not Dominican or something? I, this
1: guy. I don't give a fuck, mate. Listen, he's got dark skin, so he's black. <laughs> me, right? I don't care if it's fucking matte black or fucking uh, milky black. He's black. He said, when this fucking virus started spreading, it started spreading exponentially. He's like, ah, he says afterwards, there's going to be so many opportunities in property. So. If you've got loose money lying around, basically he says, "Go round and buy empty properties and build up your portfolio." Right? That is the Eddie Hearn fucking type of fucking business sense. Right? Okay, fair play. That's what he wants to do. But then he, he's fucking moaning about getting done by some fucking Mexican. Oh, delicious! Absolute delicious! I love it. That's yeah. That's number two so far.
3: See, see, the listeners are going to think. I've fucking been fucking compromised or something tonight, but I have to give Eddie a bit of credit in one of his interviews there. I saw a clip of it. He was saying, like, how come the news are not reporting any any good shit? Like, how come every day it's corona deaths, corona deaths? It not give us any hope. So Eddie is moving against the machine. Maybe there's a heel turn in the fucking uh, in the near future for Eddie even Evening, Ed, by the way.
1: Edward, good evening. And the LDBC. you fucking wankers.
3: <laughs> Morons. Absolute Muppets.
0: Well, there's no belly of the week from Hattam. He says nothing wrong with that in my opinion. So he's team he's team progre and team Eduardo here. I like shit goes wrong. Boy, 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 says Hattam.
1: I like Pro Grey. I really do. I mean, when he was over here for the Taylor fight, he was very you know open. You know, the press were very you know impressed with him. He opened up everything, you know, every demand that was made of him, he met it and put up a fantastic fight. Uh like him as a fighter.
3: Just Everyone knows Andy is progrey
1: some of his shit and I've seen him up close by the way. I was at the I was at the Taylor Branchick fight when him and his crew walked in fucking like fucking peacocks. You know how they fucking print about fucking necks up there and stuff like that? Wankers. You walk about fucking Glasgow High Street like that by on a Saturday night, you get fucking stabbed. Then you start start up pish But aye, you know, so I, I know what he's all about. He's just he's all about the business as well. You know, it's his fair play. Um he does his bit, but just doesn't mean you see he's not got a wanker about him.
0: Final nomination for boxing writer Andy McGee. Um, yeah, there's a few decent ones here, Rob. who Have you got any nominations? Any nominations for um, you? Rob?
3: Yeah, Eric Kelly was on about Ryan Garcia not being <laughs> natural at 135. Massive. Massive. Uh, saying Massive. that he knows there's cheats in the camp and he stands by his opinion. Lots of people are bringing genetics into it and saying he's going to go to Ford d very soon. And then he's comparing him to Floyd. But Floyd is naturally smaller and this, that, and the But anyway, basically a conspiracy that Garcia is on the dope big time. So there's conflicted opinions in Eric Kelly's world about this. But it's worth throwing in or just uh, drawing attention to really.
1: You just say as well, nobody seems to fuck with EK, by the way. So,
3: Frank Warren as well. By the way, man, Frank Warren (laughs) from his IFL or Boxing Social or one of these fucking carry ons. He's gone, I think it's Rob Tebbet, checks him about the fucking relationship with Eddie Horn, and Eddie said in an interview that he walked by Frank and gave him a little wink. And, uh, Frank is like, yeah, I actually remember standing outside a restaurant and he walked by and went on the other side of the pavement. But he definitely didn't wink. But I know he's got a reputation for being a big winker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Frank wrote 1-0 to Frank over the weekend, even in Edward.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, shit. None from Aussie. Andy, any nominations from you?
1: Yes, yeah, so I've got three. You've got one for Deontay Wilder. Get rid of the grasses and the snakes in his camp. Uh, you know, he, he says, "I've got a lot of time to think about it." He says, "You have a lot of great people about you, but you can't control the jealousy of the people. So you think people are happy with you, but everyone wants the way, wants what you have, but they want to want to sacrifice as much as you." So who the fuck's he talking about there? Actually, who's who's the one maybe, to sacrifice?
3: Maybe Jane Nady or Mark Breland want a bit of the misses is he uh, that way? Is he gone paranoid like that That's The Jay one, what you have? He's <laughs> trying to get next to the missus. I and mean, all cuddled up on the sofa.
1: Oh, what and he's going on like pe- people are envious of things they can't have. I have to weed out yeah. against ther- certain things.
3: They want this they, big suit, but they can't have it. They want this big Black Panther suit <laughs> <laughs> with the fucking laser eyes, but they can't have it. J D's, J D's.
1: He goes oh, what a fucking bagger. We've had a lot of people reach, reach out. We've had to be careful because some people just want publicity. Boxing is very, very crooked, <laughs> it's a dirty business. You've got to be careful, it's a corrupt What's sport he... as well.
3: He You've got to be careful get... with the people What's...
1: and their intentions, especially when they aren't around you before. Oh, honestly, he fuck, man. The
3: fuck out. This guy's lost man. He's lost it. Any chance he had to me, the only chance psychologically he had in the rematch is if he starts trying to pull. Fiori's card on the nandrolon stuff and yeah. the charity stuff, trying to fucking like really, really kind of turn him into the bad guy publicly. But uh, that's the only hope we have. But if he's going on like this, like he's absolutely living with himself you know, on the inside because he knows in his head that he got absolutely got spied It's got nothing to do with snakes in the grass and fucking people on like, his <laughs> wife or whatever is up with him this week. They want this yeah. big suit.
1: Honestly, God, man, it's just. Oh, the excuses is incredible. <clears throat> Next one, um, uh, Danny Flexon sent us one in actually. Apparently, something, uh, women's, a women's fight news on Twitter. Hmm. Apparently, says uh, Ebony Bridges against Shannon Courtney are at a very similar point in their careers. Not at all different to Groves against the Gale fighting early in their careers. And that was a pay per view event.
0: I'm Team Ebony Bridges, Andy. So I don't <sighs> mind seeing her in anything. She could cough corona all over me any day. Have you seen it
1: yeah, mate. She's she's, uh, she's your age as well, mate. She's what thirty three, so she's not a prospect then at, uh, at this point.
0: No, I'm thirty eight next next month. I'm 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 going away from Ebony. Yeah. Uh, too old.
1: Too old. Every yeah. Hole, um... uh, every hole's a goal, mate. <laughs> um, last one, um, Errol Spence. So he's saying that he's like he's back. He's hundred percent. He's you know during this uh, during this time he's he's training. More time, his daughters and stuff like that. I'm I'm back, I'm 100%, no restrictions. I'm training except sparring. I can't spar yet because I've got (laughs) my teeth. Because, 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 (laughs) wait, 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 because I got my, oh, for fuck's sake, because I got my teeth knocked out and they put three posts in my mouth. Once they heal, I get my teeth permanent and then I can start sparring again. So, the black Jesus oh, has, man. has got posts in his mouth. Uh, so like Madonna, fucking,
3: Marcus Madonna hasn't got his teeth, has he? Somewhere, like in the glove box. He's going around like a fucking 1980s centre-half with no, no front teeth. <laughs> All need, I want for Christmas is with he, front He just teeth. needs
0: a te- terry, terry Butcher sellotype on the head. Oh. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's, oh, that's so a good great.
0: one that, that's, that's a good one I like that one I like that one right who, who are we going for then Aussie who are you going for Belly of the Week
1: what was the one you read out against, Steve if you've you got any oh, was, I've,
0: I've got Regis Prograve was a good one Tony I, Belly you had a few Eddie Heard. I like Daniel O'Reilly who said that uh, Mike Tyson's the best heavyweight of all time nah I've
2: got to go I've got to go with the guy that tweeted Carl Frampton calling him out and saying
0: he should fight uh, Baterbia Mojo Perry yeah yeah it has to be him
1: what was that one of?
0: And that was Mojo Perry who tweeted out and tagged in Carl Frampton instead of Carl Froch saying why didn't you fight Kalzagi and Baterbiev and Crush oh, and Kovalev? Right, you were scared. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that is a good one, I must admit. That is a good one.
1: It's a bell, or... Go
0: on, Andy, who are you going for?
1: Oh what was that other one you just mentioned him just before? Um
0: oh. we've got Bellyu, Amir Khan, Mojo Perry, uh Eddie Hearn, Tyler John Wack versus Johnson, uh A B and what? Thurman Sorry,
1: John. Taylor, Taylor good John, no, that was the one, but one, there was another one you mentioned.
0: Uh, Daniel O'Reilly going on about uh Tyson being the greatest heavyweight of all time. No,
1: the one before that,
0: um, oh, the one about John O'Cole's reflexes.
1: No, oh, I
0: know, one you... Regis Progre,
1: that's it, Regis Progre, right. Just progress, eh, because he got shafted. He got shafted in his timeshare, but he's then the <laughs> he's he's then the Sears selling Windows. Oh, Christ, <laughs> Christ! He's telling us that we're going to buy property, and he's getting fucking shafted on Mexican time units. Oh, fucking moon unit! That cunt. Eh, Who would have thought something could go wrong in Mexico? Oh, what, what? But I'm, I'm loving, <laughs> I'm loving Mexico air, for that matter. Or Mexico, fucking Waco, fucking kind of that end. You're going for Progre then, yeah. Oh, well, I'm thinking progress, but I've got Wilder and Spence in my head as well. And the Come LDB- on, will we BC? up? But mate, the LDBC are listening, and they're giving me hate at the minute. That's three black fighters I'm putting
3: up for the LDB for, <laughs> for the LDB-C, would you ever fuck up? Just watch LB-C? the Andre LBC, isn't Ward. that the radio station? I, LB-C? 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 I didn't even know who these fellas were until recently. Like, But watch the Andre Ward confrontation with him, and I'll tell you all you need to know. Or watch the East Smith videos on him, and I'll tell you all you need to know. Just don't even be light to those. absolute. Yeah, that, I No, yeah, well,
2: want to know why we've been. Uh, I want to know why we've been criticised. I want the evidence from where we've been called out and criticised. I want to listen to it. They can't
3: criticise this with, with me on the panel anyway, because all my favourite fighters are black fighters, so they can't fucking go and fucking exactly. do one with that bullshit. Jason Choku came on it.
1: once. What's their problem?
3: Yes, yeah. <laughs> we
1: had we had one of the chief conspirators on here before, Steve Cunningham, ex-world yeah. World champion.
3: Yeah, fuck's sake. <laughs> we was a break with that shit by yeah, the MDBC. Off, Would you piss off? Right, I think it is what it is is oh, nice. I,
1: what it is. I, I think it's meat's caused all this shit. Actually, sorry, guys. As, as you know, you know what I'm like. Who oh, that
3: I coming? <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 I'll explain. Yeah. I'll explain. So what's happened, right? What I think's happened is I've gave somebody shit on Twitter. She De- and Devin Haney mentioned that I've never let like, a white boy beat me or whatever it was. Some days tweeted, somebody's quote tweeted him, right, and says, oh, brah, so, so, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, he says, ah, brah, he says, ehm, you should have said this on, on when I had you on my podcast. So I fucking tweeted it back, and I says, fucking, begging for fucking views or whatever, that because just, all you're looking for is a, a controversy comment so you can fucking promote the shit, right? Next fucking minute, I'm getting shit off all these other people, and I'm saying to myself, there's a fucking common domin- they dominator here, they're all black on their fucking profiles. And then it's just started picking, picking two two together. So they've obviously then seen my, my profile. They've put onto the podcast link, checked out the YouTube channel, listened back to some fucking episodes and that. And one of the guys who I think is maybe on it is Jay Rosales, who I've actually had dealings with in the past. He's actually quite cool, talks history and stuff like that. So he's somehow got tied up with the a But that Fred Hawthorne, by the way, that is one guy. That was a guy who chinned Eddie in, in Vegas about six, eight months ago, nine months ago and you've got that other wee fucking prick, that young Pyro or young Poro, who's fucking saying that Aye, t- Tyson Fury had his fucking glove known properly, that uh, wrapped up at the fucking, up at the wrist.
0: Oh, is that, that them, right?
1: That, That's yeah. That wee wanker who fucking said that he was willing to go to the height, or the equivalent of the fucking court, uh, because he's got the evidence this week, and then fucking within two seconds' breath says, I'm ready to go next week or next month or whatever it was. Absolute fucking heed the buzz.
3: Forget that like, absolute shithead. heads. Like he was the one that, you, that yeah that came up with the whole bit, Yeah, EC Smith's done some brilliant videos. T- Just watch T- it where there's a real telling around. point where he's trying to he's trying to put Andre Ward in a race war basically against Kovalev. was like, Look I'm half white, I don't think like that. Like so in your man's life, but you say them and he goes, Yeah, but you're you're assuming that you know what I'm talking about. I live this sport, you don't like and he goes, Uh, eh, well we're both multi millionaires, Andre. Get the fuck out of here, man. A multi-millionaire going around with a camera and fucking chasing fellas to Vegas for a fucking soundbite. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Like, and take those notions out of the sport because reasonable people don't think like that, you fucking morons.
0: Yeah, well said. Right, we've had our p- say on them. We'll not be discussing them again in the future. Um, right, so you're going for Pro Grey, Andy. Aussie's going for Mojo Perry. Uh, who are you going
3: for, Rob? It's a close one. Like uh, Spence. Something... Go
1: for Spence, Rob.
3: Spence is a good one. Wilde is a good one with this <laughs> suit as well. Like everybody wants what I have to want my cuddle my wife on the sofa and wear my big suit. Um but like Bellew for fucking saying that he, he wants to fight fucking always will fucking smash the fuck out of Tony Bellew, man, a heavyweight. Turned on. See him doing press-ups and all on Instagram. Vandy Ruiz stays out of McDonald's, man. He made light work of Tony Bellew and fuck off. leave, leave him alone. Don't be pitting him in heavyweight fucking super pay-per-view fights. Uh, just leave him alone as we left alone. Tony Bellew, again, undisputed.
0: Well, there you go. It's going to be a four-way tie because we've got Bellew, we've got Regis Program, we've got Mojo Perry. I am tempted to go for Mojo, but I like that Earl Spence one. I, I always go for the one that makes me the laugh the most, and that definitely made me laugh the most this week. So we're going for a four-way tie, I think.
1: So he's not got his teeth in yet. He's got three... Like be- step be- tall. So be- really step <laughs> tall,
3: Earl Spence. Yeah, tall, uh, hey, uh, Spence. What, I mean-
1: Harold what I need to know <laughs> what I need to know is uh, these three posts in his mouth <laughs>
0: Harold you dirty old man well right, let's finish up then uh, Dude, well congratulations Belly of the week we'll give an interim a gold a regular and a world championship to whoever the four were anyway let's finish up then boys 22-11 thanks Rob for coming on for Andy and to Ozzy we also had Donny on in some shape or form good to know he's alive anyway and thanks to Sam Mason as well for jumping on earlier uh, has there been anybody else, Andy? It's been a, long, been a long night, hasn't it? Any I don't think there's anybody else coming, is there? Donnie's been on. Donnie, yeah, we've
1: got Donny. Um
0: Donnie was controversial tonight, some of the things he was coming off with. I'm not gonna have him
3: on again. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Disgusting. Shut him yeah.
0: Off. Let's finish up then, boys. We'll see you all again next I was week. I always bringing for... it back to
3: porn, Donnie, is like, <laughs> Just fucking obsessed with it. Like fucking relax, Donnie. Like, yeah, but he's he married, him, like...
1: he's married now, mate. So what you're I That's suppose. what happens.
3: Probably probably on fucking OnlyFans splurging the fucking college fund. We need we need, need Patamon Pell Good John's channel.
1: That college <laughs> fund team. <laughs> That college Sorry, good John, you know
3: what man do well. your thing man you're not
1: hurting anyone I, tell. I don't think you... <laughs> well wow. I don't know so much I'd say
0: a few people will be walking funny the next morning after some of the clips that they've been retweeting <laughs> <laughs> no. right thanks everybody we'll finish up episode 372 see you all same time same place next week I've been Steve Willings bye
1: that's going to for the fucking lost
0: Sports Social Podcast Network